I want to go to there. Snipe! Salt and wind, and I just couldn't resist it. doesn't like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> yes, nice. 30 Helens agree. Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's a cunning plan, actually. Would you believe it? And you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear eyes, put hearts, get Hello and welcome to the Televerse and Unsaid's TV podcast. This is Kate Kalsik and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? Here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to keep this short because we were, we went so long last week. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I've been working on a thing for Sound on Site, which may, which may either be a, a, a huge use to us, very little use to us, or no use to us at all. And I won't know for a few weeks, which is very frustrating. Uh, but that's also gotten in the way of my training for a bunch of reasons. So I haven't even gone for a run in like over a week and a half, which is really, really bad. Yeah, I was going to ask how that was going, actually, because <laughs> it's been a while since we had an update. Uh, I hope you get back yeah, out there why. this week, because otherwise you're in trouble. I know, I'm boned. <laughs> well, also, I brought my stuff home so I, I could run from here, because it was getting warmer, and now there's ice everywhere, so that's not going to work. That is not going to work. We are, though, keeping it very short up at the top here, because we went insanely long last week, and we could... In looking at this list of shows, because all of the comedies had their finales this week, right? What what was up with that? Uh, we're going to keep things short. Uh, so at the end of the show, we'll be talking with David Bax from Battleship Retention and Hey Watch This about Gossip Girl, one of his favorite shows. Um, we heard from Augustine at the website. He- heard from you guys on Twitter, but again, we're keeping it short. So just website comments this week. Augustine says, I hope someone picks Enterprise for a future DVD shelf. Just curious as to why Kate seems to hate it so much. I haven't seen it since it ended, but I didn't find it that that horrible it had its problems but sure but i still enjoyed it and yes i'm one of the few who actually liked the song on that show he he augustine you know we love you because you always write in and we all we, we love all our listeners um i don't know if it gets worse especially destroying a beautiful track record might i say for star trek then the enterprise theme song the only way it can be worse is when they redid it partway through the series, and managed to make it worse. I hate that theme song with the fire of a thousand suns. And I don't feel like that that's some hyperbole. I don't think it's that much. Uh, do you have thoughts on this? So. I'm just trying to think if there's ever been a show that redid or remixed its theme song and it was better. I don't think that's ever happened. See, but, uh, for this one, it's not like they did a different song. They just took the same terrible, cheesy over the top. Literally, the words are, I have faith in the stars. <laughs> that is the opening lyric. You now we're talking about how the lyrics to the charm theme song don't make sense because they're about a dude. Um, but you can kind of get around that. That is not the case here. Uh, this is, the, this is to, for another time. We're trying to keep it short. To be continued on an eventual, I hope, kind of hope it doesn't happen, but if it does, Enterprise DVD shelf. Um, but no, I just, that is, it's terrible. I hate it so much. I don't feel that, I still have it memorized. I haven't watched <laughs> Enterprise since the first couple seasons were on TV. And I still have that theme song memorized. I don't want that, it. That is a powerful hatred. Yeah. 
This is what happens when you're raised on Suzuki violin. Something gets in there, and it locks, and it's always there. So I have a strong passion, uh, passionate hatred of, of the Enterprise theme song. Um, also some issues with the show, but that's, again, the chat for another time. But thank you, Augustine, for writing it. I'm, I, I, if we do get to do that in the future, I'm sure it will be a very entertaining DVD shelf. Um, do you have, have you ever seen any Enterprise, Simon? No, but I have a strong feeling that one day I will. <laughs> um, the, that's, that's it for comments to the website. Uh, this week, we hope you, to hear from you guys there next week. I should mention here at the top also that I was on the Debating Doctor Who podcast. I mentioned it like a week or two ago. Um, that's gone live now, so you can listen to me talk with friends of the show, Alistair Wilkins and, and Caroline Sita, about uh, the end of season four of the new series and many other topics. Of course, we recorded it in person, and I was there, so of course it went long. Uh, it's a super long episode, but it was a lot of fun, so I hope you guys, you know, Doctor Who fans, check that out. And... Um, I think that's about it. I, I think there are many other tangents I kind of want to go on, um, but we have to keep it short. So all I'll say is comma Kanye because we're going. Yeah, I, I would just quickly mention that uh, Damn Good Podcast has been rolling out. That's our, our Twin Peaks podcast. Excellent point. And Love those yes. guys. And we I feel, felt like we should plug that because uh, that's I know that the the future of the show has been slightly in doubt lately. Um because of some dumb contract stuff, but I, I'm I'm hopeful it will be it'll be worked out, and our massive year long plan of how to handle it at the site won't be derailed, and I don't have to be <laughs> mad at David Lynch about that. Yeah, uh, Showtime. How do you how do you announce that without locking that shit down? I don't understand. But um, yes, check out the damn good podcast as well. That's going on. I think on Fridays over at Sound on Site, an episode for every. They're like going through the show episode by episode. They're the same guys from Eat the Rude Cast, which I've mentioned here before. We love those guys, so uh, check that out at Sound on Site on Fridays. But now we're gonna get into it because we got a crazy full week. So uh, with no more delay, we're gonna. Start what will be, I'm sure, a gargantuan week in comedy. So we'll be right back after this. Back up your suitcase, put on that dress. We can make the 745 express and never look back again when we grow old. It'll be a life of all the stories we told Cause there's something in the air tonight Maybe there's a fire burning out in Riverside This week in comedy, oh guys, it's... Just all of the finales, um, except for the premieres here. This week, we had starting up Community Season 6 on Yahoo. So I'm going to talk a little bit about ladders and lawnmower maintenance and postnatal care. Big uh, One Big Happy had its pilot on uh, NBC. And then we'll both talk about Jane the Virgin, Chapter 16. And that takes us to the finale. So we have the Always Sunny finale, Ass Kickers United, Mac and Charlie Join a Cult. Then we have the Man Seeking Woman finale, Scepter. The Broad City finale, St. Mark's. The Girls finale, Home birth, and what we're very much hoping, it's not a series finale, but is indeed a season finale, the looking finale, looking for home. Um, so first to kick things off, Community started up its sixth season streaming on Yahoo. Simon, did you watch this? No! Anyone who's been listening to the podcast for any length of time knows that I'm not a Community fan, or at least haven't been since, I want to say, early, mid-season two? 
which is which is actually incidentally when people started to really glom onto it and i think that's a coincidence but i can't promise anyway but you watch these so you talk now i did watch these uh and i will talk now um the the thing i have the only issue i have with these episodes because i think that they are they're fine um, there's not a significant change in quality as far as I'm concerned between the NBC version and the Yahoo version. There's some cast differences, um, but that's not surprising for a show in its sixth season necessarily. Community for me is in a place of sort of parks a couple years ago where I was enjoying each episode, but not necessarily laughing. Or maybe I should say early last season, not the final season, but was it season six? Um, mm -hmm. where I was enjoying my time, but not really laughing out loud. So in these first two episodes, I just wasn't laughing. And they they brought in these new characters. I think they do a good job with them. I like the, how they introduced Keith David. But when I see Keith David on Community, it mostly just makes me wish that I was watching a second season of Enlisted instead. Um, so, yeah, I think that they they introduce Britta's parents in the second episode. That's They do a good job with that. I like what they do there. They continue to deepen some of the relationships and... and um, community is community is kind of how I feel about it. But unfortunately I didn't think it was riotously funny. I wasn't laughing out loud. Um, it just is sort of a pleasant, you know, likable show. If you love these characters, you'll love this show. So if you, if you're not sure if you should check it out, basically I'm not going to be very helpful here. I'm just going to say, if you liked last <laughs> season, you've probably already watched it. Um, if you didn't like last season, I don't think there's anything new here unless you're just a super big Paget Brewster or uh, Keith David fan. So that's where I'm at with community right now. And how are you feeling about No Shirley? I think the show's going to be okay. Um, without Shirley, I think Shirley does uh, did add a lot. I like uh, Yvette Nicole Brown. I think she really added to the dynamic, brought a different kind of, um, you know, because the, the mom thing and also just the sweetness, but the you know, the, the passive aggressive, you know, they did good things with that character. Um, but I don't think she's essential because I don't think she's essential to any of the relationships. I think the other characters are far more, you know, because she's ha always had her family. She also always was, had her, more her own life that could easily just kind of leave and go do its own thing. If the show had been hugely success successful, she could have spun off and had her own pilot where she started up a restaurant. Um, but she's not as core to the group as, say, Troy was. That was the big loss. Or, um, yeah, so so she's one of the ones that could more easily leave. I think Annie leaving or Abed leaving um, would be more problematic. Even Britta leaving would be more problematic um, than, than Shirley leaving. So that's where I'm at with that. Did you watch the One Big Happy pilot? Uh, I believe you mean the One Big Happy pilot. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I mean... Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was surprised to actually enjoy some of this just out of the sheer force of will of Alicia Cuthbert. Uh, but no, this is not very good. And there are way too many other comedies on uh, for us to be spending the time here to talk talking about it more than that. Or, or really my viewing time. There's a lot of other good comedies. Um, this isn't terrible. And I think I think it really benefited from lowered expectations because everybody was slamming it. Uh, it's certainly not anything new, but yeah, mostly I look forward to, you know, like I could see marathon and like binging these if I'm caught up on everything else and looking for something to, you know, I don't feel like getting out the DVDs of a good show and I do like the cast, but there's just, it, again, I'm not, I wasn't laughing, so I don't think it's very, you know, 
I don't anticipate Good. it's going to be on on for very long. I don't know that it's worth investing in, and it's not particularly distinct. Other than if you just really want to see some uh, Alicia Cuthbert. The Happy Endings cast sitcom situation post-Happy Endings has not been good. That's not going to change for Zachary Knighton's new show. But we'll talk more about that when we get closer to the premiere, or when it premieres. Now let's talk about Jane the Virgin, because... We love Jane the Virgin, and uh, yes. we're very glad it's back. What did you think about this episode? Uh, in, the, in the annals of Jane the Virgin episode, I didn't think this was all that notable an episode, which means it was still delightful, just not momentous, uh, if, if that's fair to say. Uh, it's, it's amusing to me, as someone who knows a lot about contemporary pop culture, uh, when I encounter a sphere of, of influence and interest that I'm just not connected with at all. So when the characters are freaking out about David Bisbal is here and then David Bisbal shows up and he performs at the end and it's a really big deal. And I have no fucking idea who David Bisbal is. That's just that's actually I'm not complaining. That's fantastic. Uh, it's a sign that 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 the show is is uh, is aiming for a demo that is not me. And that's always nice to see. Um, but uh, beyond that, I mean, not a whole lot happens this this week, except that we meet new characters like Andy Michael's ex and the uh, the leader of the of the study group played by Jane Seymour, and uh, we get a few new pairings as well, like Michael and Rogelio, who are super fun together, of course. And we get Raph and Petra pairing up. And uh, as I've said before, I am very much excited about the, the 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 time in the show's history when no one hates anyone else. You know, like right now, um, Rogelio still kind of dislikes Raph, and Raph and Petra aren't totally getting along yet. And actually, Raph isn't getting along with quite a, quite a lot of people in his life, which I'm looking forward to them being passed. Um, so this this was kind of reminding me about those things, which I'm not wild about. But I mean, it's still Jane the Virgin. It was still delightful. And yeah, big salsa sequence. How can you not like that? Hmm. Um, just for the record, uh, David Wiesbal, uh he's got, I probably said his name wrong. Uh, he's got 42 platinum albums. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's right, a big freaking deal. This is one where I knew I knew that he was a big deal because of just osmosis being around my sister. Um, as for the rest, uh, the the Petra Raff stuff, I I agree. I like seeing them paired up. Um, I didn't care about the dog though. I thought that was a bit like it was a bit too high jinky for me. Yeah, um, and I look forward to a time when they're friends and the show, if this happens, and the show then doesn't play that as romantic tension. Like, oh, are they going to get back? Like, I look forward to them being in Happy Stable just because, and they're able to have, be friends, but have the show not then try to make that into drama. So that's more, I'm looking forward to that too. And yeah, like you say, it's nice to have the salsa. It's nice to get Michael and Rogelio teaming up for some hijinky goodness. And I see like that level of hijinks that worked for me. Them chasing after a dog felt like a different show where the narrator would like, the dog would be talking and like... You, you, you'd get like, wah, 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 you know, kind yeah, of. Yeah, the animal reaction shots were a bit much. They're a bit much. That, that's about all I have, though, for Jane the Virgin this week, like you said. Uh, we love the show, but not a particularly notable for Jane kind of show. Uh, shall we move on to our finales? Yes. Okay, Always Sunny had its finale. We talked about this uh, at the beginning of the season. We talked about Charlie work. Um, like we said, we're big fans of the season of Always Sunny. For me, this episode is probably the low light of the season um part of that is guys why'd you bring on Dax Shepard for that um I, I like Dax Shepard but 
I just like if you're going to bring on that recognizable, at least for me, as having watched Parenthood so recently, um, do something with him. Now, see, I, I kind of liked it for the opposite reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like that they brought on someone that recognizable to just basically be adult and say three words like like and have him eat paint chips and just be an even bigger idiot than anyone in the regular cast. See, like, I found I, it distracting. Yeah, see, I don't know. I, I found it amusing in a perverse kind of way. Okay, fair enough. Everything coming down to Thin Mints was amazing as far as I was concerned. Um, and uh, I did like just the, again, schemes upon schemes, and they end up destroying uh, D's place. You know, like, once again, there's a giant fire. Like, I, I liked some of that stuff, but for me, it, just, it was a really strong season, I guess. And so I was a little underwhelmed by the finale on the whole. Yeah, uh it's always sunny is throwing a wrench into my uh I'm going to get back to this at the end of the show it's going to be the question of the week but it's throwing a wrench into my in, into my five season thesis. Yeah, because this is season 10. This is going to be one of the yes. best season 10s of a show. Not cuz it's like the, one of the greatest seasons of all, but just by season 10 shows usually suck. Yeah, there's like some weird outliers like The Simpsons and South Park uh like like that if you look up the episode list for South Park, I think that, that their 10th season was maybe my favorite. But yeah, other yeah. than that, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well done, Always Sunny. We look forward to your next season because they've been picked up for, I think, two more. Uh, so that's awesome. But let's move on to Man Seeking Woman, which had its finale, Scepter. We were huge fans of Teacup last week and we were a little nervous that it was just going to go back and be, this, we'd had the same problems again this week now that it wasn't Woman Seeking Man and went back to focusing on Josh. Did that happen for you with this finale? Uh, yes and no. I, I think I may have liked this a little bit more than you did based on your review over at the AV Club, which if you haven't been reading Kate's reviews at the AV Club, they're really good and you should be doing that. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. um, the, I mean, I, this was actually probably their most ambitious episode stylistically, uh, which I thought was a nice way for them to go. What I like most about the episode is I feel like any other show, if they'd gone the route of we're gonna, we're gonna go and have a whole time travel fueled apocalypse... Uh, they would retcon that out of existence by the end of the episode. But Man Seeking Woman just goes with it, and it just becomes part of the universe. They don't have Josh fixing everything, and then everyone's, oh, I learned a lesson, but no one was really here. Like, no, like, that stuff all still happened, and we're just going to get past it now. Um, that that I thought was a really good decision. I, yeah, it works so well to have the have them commit fully to the world, because most of these episodes this season have gone back and forth between, like, it's like normal life, and then this crazy thing happens, and then it goes by. And for this, they're just normal life is happening within a crazy world, and I think that is much more successful. I'd like to see them do some of that um, next next season because uh, it has been picked up for season two. So, like when they're like walking along down the street, you might see a troll walk by because that's just part of the normal world, as opposed mm-hmm. to these like interludes of of you know, like so create a new a different reality and make that seep into every element of the show instead of transitioning in and out of it yeah i would love if from now on characters just every once in a while feel this urge to say hail trackanon and i don't know why <laughs> loved all the trackanon jokes oh my god so great um, the the salute that they do yes. to the little thing hail trackanon trackanon's yeah. catholic which is it was amazing <laughs> yes trackanon's catholic and i love that there were things that you could infer but weren't like totally ironclad like when they salute the uh the little device that's Thank in every you. room like the idea that 
they just need to salute Trakanon once an hour on the hour or something, but it's never actually stated. Or like every time they of... mention Trakanon, they have to yeah. hail Trakanon, you know? Hail Trakanon. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Trakanon's Catholic. Hail Trakanon. <laughs> you know, like, yes. it was just great. Yeah. Loved all that stuff. Um, and also, like, I, I just, I, I need to, to slather a little bit of praise on Eric Andre, not just because he pulled off that oh my God. hilarious suit. So good. But just because I, I, I think that uh, he really underlined the value of having someone in your roster who is willing to do anything for a laugh. Anything. Even if it doesn't work. Yeah, he will 100% commit to your dumb idea until it will maybe work a little bit, which is so essential for a show like this that is so, as we've said, high risk. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think it is another of the more consistent episodes uh, of the season. I, I was a little underwhelmed by the josh's journey through it because it was so repetitious of what we had only two weeks previously in branzino um and yeah. not all the commenters agree with me on that but that's fine everybody gets their opinion um but yeah the, you're reading the comments of course I, I always read the i i try to interact on the in the comments i'm big on that that's why i'm always telling people to tweet <laughs> at me i i like there are certain weeks where i'm just like no i'm not touching it leave in the comments because there's too much potential for the men's rights people to get involved and i don't need that um but for the but usually unless there's a particularly you know if i feel like people are going to get too angry at me for my feminism uh then otherwise i i always i try to interact with my spartacus reviews every, all my reviews it's out on site if people left more comments i would absolutely interact with y'all so please do we love when you leave us comments it's out on site um but anyways uh not everybody agree with that but for me it was too similar to when he's trying to fit into his life with uh rachel the and they get conjoined um yes that was a little very you know i like the, the i like that the what the time travel he time travels to fix are these like smaller things like the econ, econ like going into econ that's a big thing but you know don't shave your face his facial hair yeah. is, a, is a little thing and buy your gift because then you won't have that one fight that breaks a camel's back because she's in a bad mood that day because of everything you know like that kind of, i like that those were small details um i also like that they brought back robin duke and mark mckinney just for a cameo like I, i'm surprised yeah. they paid them to have them say two lines that says a lot about their world building yeah i th i would have loved for them to get more to do if only because they're great and especially mark mckinney come on that guy needs some steadier work anyway uh, so yeah, I mean, I thought it was a perfectly solid finale, uh, with, I think, like you said, a little bit repetitious from things, things that have gone before, as with the rest of the show, not every single thing totally landed, but, uh, I'm really hopeful that they can take the stuff that worked this season and launch it into, uh, a really solid second season, especially since they clearly cannot go back to the, to the well with some of the things that they've just driven into the ground already. I could really see the show doing a looking style leap in its second season where it comes out of the gate in the second season, very much at the, the higher level of these last couple episodes. And I, I really hope it does because I've enjoyed the entire season. We both, you know, like we had those laugh out loud first couple episodes with the text and with Hitler and like, so these great. And, and for me, I, that, that has not happened since with the show. But I've liked the show as a whole more in its last couple episodes. So fingers crossed that they can pull that off in, in season two. Next up is uh, Broad City, which also had its finale, St. Mark's. And for me, this is not this. I'm sorry. I like this episode a lot, but it does not compete with their season one finale, which is just one of their all time masterpieces. However, one of my big takeaways this week <laughs> for those for the listeners at home, as someone who has been told uh, in the past week 
that I should smile or like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't have a water glass at the restaurant. There's a charge for it now. It costs a smile. I'm like, really? Did you ask the guys that in line? Because I'm having a shitty day. And I don't feel like smiling for you. That was a particular, their, you know, two finger salute with the smile was a particular treat for me. And I get, I understand they're not trying to be sexist, but it's just sometimes you're not in the mood. So that hit home with me. What did, what was your standout moment of this finale? Oh, the thing. And again, this is a don't read the comments moment, but like that, that, that shot of them two fingers saluting with, with the smile went everywhere of course because that really struck uh, a, a chord with basically every woman who watched it from what i can tell um and just still people were saying like i don't get it like dudes <laughs> dudes weren't getting it yeah and it's like it's, someone's just trying to make you have a nice day like they're just trying to perk you out it's just like oh guys uh anyway so th- this is kind of similar to the season one finale in, in the sense that it wasn't high concept it was more like let's just have a night where we hang out with them and we'll and we'll get the new yorkosity of it all and uh that's pretty much it like there were there we the the supporting characters didn't really get involved uh from what i recall really at all yeah uh it was it's just the abby and alana being wacky show and maybe it wasn't quite as riotously funny as the season one finale but i thought it worked uh it had a really great energy i like the chase uh the chase was fantastic uh the I, I have to say, Tree Man got me for his last appearance. Did not see him, out. and I also I had to do a little bit of research. Apparently, that's actually a thing. Like, there's really tree people around New York, which ugh, I don't like it. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I it, it had the same sort of happy-go-lucky vibe that that most of the season has had. The whole season has kind of felt like a victory lap for them which is it feels early for a victory lap but i'm gonna give it to them anyway um patricia clarkson so much fun in her yes. brief role uh and i recognize the actor who played the son he's a comedian and i can't i couldn't place his name but i've seen him in a bunch of other things so it was fun to see him pop up as well um i don't have the name in front of me i apologize um yeah i like that sort of like we had you had the godzilla you know, thing or the you know the King Kong the carrying you know in the season one finale and this we get the the chase and you know trying to navigate heels and a dress like that while they're trying to do the other like run down the stairs and then the parkour or whatever like that's just delightful. As anybody who's ever tried to, to wear those shoes or that kind of a dress is well aware. Um, yeah, those are the kind of details or the kinds of perspective, I guess, that we get from the show that we don't get anywhere else that I do so very much enjoy. Uh, but yeah, I would agree with you. It wasn't like necessarily top shelf for the season, but mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was about, about middle of the road for the season, which is still great. Yeah. Top shelf for the season is, is really damn high. Top shelf for the season is best TV of the year. So, uh, to be continued when we get to our best of the year so far, and I'm sure when we get to our best of the year at the end of the year, I'd be shocked if Broad City wasn't at least in the conversation. But let's move on to our last two finales, which are, of course, the HBO series uh, Girls and then Looking. Girls is home birth. Looking is looking for home. So my review for the Girls finale is already up. It's on on site. Uh, and I got, I guess I think Sit-In might be better, and it's certainly more f- devastating. But I kind of feel like this is the best episode of the season. I sit in is the only thing that has me torn on that. Um, I loved this episode. What did you think? Uh, it was pretty great. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I I, I find it difficult to rank uh, girls' episodes in that way. Uh, the the thing that I like best about girls is that four seasons in, there's still really nothing else like it. In terms of, I sit down to watch it, and I don't know. Uh, I I have a better sense than I did a couple seasons ago of what I'm going to get every week, but I still am not totally sure. And uh, and I and I couldn't possibly tell you. I mean. This episode ends with a six months later flash forward, which is a thing that they've never even remotely done. Uh, so, you know, it's always nice when a show still has uh, still has entirely new tricks up its sleeve at this point in its run. Um, but I mean, I feel like this episode, I mean, the episode would have been very good, but I think that one scene in particular raises it to legend status. And uh, that's clearly Ray and his dead on appraisal of desi oh my god oh my god yeah when i was watching um i was watching live and i had to i i just belly laughed the hardest i've laughed at something in a long time and that's including jane the virgin because i laugh constantly at jane the virgin but i rarely like belly laugh like i had to stop and rewind the dvr at least twice and just (laughs) keep laughing so much because I wanted to make sure I got the quote exactly right because uh, I knew I would reference it in my review. Um, that was amazing. Definitely. And but that it's not just you know that that it's because I, I got to uh, you won't get that from me because I fucking hate you. Couldn't hear anything <laughs> else he was saying because I was laughing so hard. Ruined that several times. But what I love is that then the scene continues and it goes from just being straight full-on hilarious audience wish fulfillment into this really lovely and very, like you said, very cutting, very dead-on assessment of Desi and why he's not good enough for Marnie. Um, And I love that it's not, you're a jerk. I love that it's not, he's like, you're just a fuck-up and you're gonna keep being a fuck-up and you're gonna ruin her life. What was so great about it, besides the performances from both the actors very good in the scene, um, is that it doesn't make Marnie about Ray. This is how he sees her, and the audience doesn't necessarily see her in the same way. I would be shocked if most of the audience did. But it feels um, very much true to how he feels without making her a possession for him. You know what I mean? So often in these things, when you have the, the, the nice guy that the, the cute girl doesn't, you know, see it in that way, it's actually really about the, the, the girls being put up on a pedestal and the guy just wants to like own her and protect her and everything. And this was not about Ray, even though there's an underlying current uh, of, I wouldn't do, I would be better for her than you. Um, but it's more about how, even if it's not Ray, Desi's the fucking worst. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he 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 basically all but says I'd be better for uh, for you than her. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry for her than you. Yeah, um, I always get that wrong. <laughs> but uh, I think that th- this seems very carefully written so that I mean, for instance, it's not a conversation that Ray goes looking for. No, he tries uh, to not have it <laughs> rather really strenuously. To not do it, like, dude, you really do not want to do this. Um, Especially for Ray. Ray yes. does not usually show that restraint. Hannah, I could see trying like more frequently trying to get out of that, that conversation, but Ray. Yeah. As someone who's wanted to give a variant of the speech to several people in my life, 
this this was uh this uh, like you said there there's an element of, of wish fulfillment there but it really like my sister who is weirdly anti ray even she had even she had to admit like i think i'm starting to like ray now <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was fantastic the other standout moment dramatically at least for me is H- hannah and adam i thought that was absolutely beautiful when they're uh with uh just hannah at you know the nursery or the the preemie ward or wherever that is um i thought that was beautiful um i also because that's one of the things i love about this finale is that i was laughing out loud throughout this episode everything we get with carolyn was hilarious i love the way that that dunham because she directed the episode how she photographed uh or how she filmed uh carolyn and just like seeing that this is what a naked woman looks like when she's pregnant this is what this is what an actual pregnant person looks like, not the bullshit you see on TV all the time. I love that. And I also just I mean, like the shot of Jessa underwater, that's the shot of the episode for me. Oh yeah, that was that was an amazing shot. And um I like the idea that Jessa's finally found something she's actually good at or like an a realm of potential experience she's good at because I feel as though she hasn't really had a lot to do recently. I mean, she got a little bit to do last season but this year she was basically a wall uh which is really too bad um let's see what else did we get uh we didn't get a whole lot of shoshana but uh, it was she, awesome what we was. did get um it's another thing that that's that's that i find interesting about girls is that it does some things uh straight and other things serpentine so if you look at shosh's story this season it's been incredibly straightforward shosh wants a job shosh hangs out with ray and Shosh wants a job. That's pretty much it. <laughs> she goes to job interviews. She's bad at it. Uh, she wants to find love in her life. She kind of does. She gets better. Like a, it's a very clean arc. Whereas other parts of the show are just like jagged and weird and like going out in directions that you don't never fully understand and don't really make sense to us. Still, um, that's another thing I find interesting about girls. Um, the, I, I forget who said this. It may have been Feinberg, but on the subject of Carolyn. Um, uh, I, I I think he said, I think it was him who said I I don't know if uh I don't know if uh, if if an Emmy is what Gabby Hoffman deserves for this episode but she definitely deserves something. Yeah. Oh my God. The walk to the hospital. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. <laughs> oh God. And speaking of comedy moments, I I guess I got because we have, we're already so long. We got to keep going. We got to move on. But. Adam fainting off screen. Off screen. A very very <laughs> canny comic choice oh so great uh, and like just the simmering rage at his yes. sister throughout um because there's nothing he can do and he can't leave but it's killing him how much of an idiot she's being oh my god so oh so and, good and a little bit of credit to john Clazer also for, mm. for his i was like usually later is my time <laughs> <laughs> uh it was a little bit writerly but but he but he made it work uh i know that you, you however were not a huge fan of the uh the flash forward device yeah i just didn't think it added anything i mean i i like that she's with uh with fran i've seen some people denigrate uh however like it's not a, that's too strong a term but like at the very beginning of the episode when he tries to he's comforting her paying her back and asking if and he asks if that's okay and they're like uh, he's the kind of guy that'll like ask if it's okay if he touches you and i'm like yeah you know what consent is fucking sexy people that is one of the things i like about <laughs> fran 
It's wonderful to see that. I, I like that she's with him six months later, but, and they seem happy, but that doesn't change anything we've seen in the episode. And it just, it just felt very extraneous to me because if this was a series finale, which this really could have been a series finale, um, then fine. Um, I don't think we need it then either, but I guess it lets you know that at least six months forward, Hannah is not with Adam, but, and, and that she's happy, but that could, that, I, I do not expect any of these things to necessarily stick next season. They have a whole other season of television to do. They've tied everything up in a nice, neat bow. Everybody's learned their lessons of rarity on girls. Except for Marnie. Well, kind of. Marnie at least had a, had a breakthrough moment, and um, I thought the, the performance scene worked well. Spike Jones was fun in that role. Oh, that's who that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I expect the show to undo at least a couple of those next oh, yeah. year. So I just I didn't think it added anything. Why why is that there? I don't know. I just for me it was just a fun little jolt of I didn't think they were going to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, "Oh, that's that's cute." Like I I didn't make too much of it. I just thought, "Oh, this is a fun little thing they're adding to their repertoire of things they're doing." I was I was slightly annoyed that if they're going to do that, I would have liked to have seen a little bit of everyone, but uh, cuz it just it just really makes Hannah's love life super central uh and yeah. cuddles everyone else in the dust, but I also like the idea that if they're if that if they're going to do a next season, it kind of gives you it kind of gives you a rough idea of what the timetable will be like, which is kind of nice. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't make too much of it. I just thought, thought it was kind of cute. Well, and if they had had everyone, I would have been more in favor of it. Just sort of like, here's where you, we left them triumphant moment. And let's check in on how much of that turned out in any way for them. Or like this, just give a sense that next season is going to start in six months and everything's just going to hit the fan then. But at least they had six months of like good times guys. Or like, don't worry, Desi's really not going to be in next season. You know, <laughs> we could have just had a shot of Desi, like shooting heroin on Skid Row or something. <laughs> oh, Desi. Well, any final thoughts on girls, uh, the season, Ray Plashansky for president. Fair enough. Let's move on to looking, looking for home. What we have uh, our first significant bump in the road in quite a while for Patrick and Kevin. Do you think they're over? Uh, I hope not. I mean, it's it seems to me that they're only just starting to be uh, the level of honesty with each other that they need to be to actually work. And watching them, I, to me, the highlight of the episode is really watching their watching them volley back and forth with like with for lack of a better term, truth bombs of like, this isn't cool. This is not what I had in mind. Yeah. Well, what did you think was happening when I had a boyfriend and this <laughs> was starting to be a thing? And, and it's just maddening that Patrick can't see his level of hypocrisy, um, even though it's been repeatedly pointed out to him. So, you know, as, as, as much as it makes sense that at the end of the episode, he, he go, goes back to Richie and is just like, I want a but I want a buzz cut or whatever, which I really hope he didn't do that. Um, he did but. that. We saw that happening. We may come back if there ever is another season of, of looking, which, you know, knock on wooden things that there is. Um, he, hopefully his hair will have grown back out because that's not going to be a good look for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was sort of hoping that Richie would intervene there somehow. Like, mm, how about we do something else? But anyway, mm-hmm. um, oh, that makes perfect sense. Uh, I just hope that if they do come back, it's not like... The love triangle game, which uh, doesn't interest me at all. And this season, I, I think, rather gracefully avoided that. 
I hope it wasn't avoiding it just to delay it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I was a little disappointed in how fully this, the finale is just about Patrick and Kevin. Like, we barely see Augustine. It would have been... Like, I wanted to see what the mirror looked like. Maybe that's just me. Um, and I, the beat that we get with Dom and Doris is really lovely. But again, that's just... Those are very clearly... B and C plots, I guess Doris and, and Don would be B and Augustine and Eddie, like they're like one scene mm-hmm. uh, would be like not even C, like D plot. There is no C plot. Um, I did think that uh, the stuff we got with Kevin and Patrick uh, was really well written and performed and really interesting and a, a conversation we haven't seen anybody have on the show. But I mean, you know, friends of the friends of the show, you know, Cooper uh, and the the Life on the Swing Set people who are also the damn good podcast people, I'm sure be very happy about the uh, seeing a, a show on mainstream television making a solid case for non-monogamy and why does that have to be such a big deal? Because uh, I know there are many people in in this in this country in the world who have very happy, very fulfilled, very. Um, close deep relationship non-monogamous relationships and um i do like i do think it means a lot that we see see kevin exploring this with patrick and just you know actually talking to him that's a much better sign for the potential of their relationship than anything else that we've seen from them in quite a while yes uh although frank frankly there was nothing more shocking to me in this episode than that field of dreams poster yeah well that's because you haven't seen field of dreams as I've recently discovered, which is just like <laughs> the way I feel about Field of Dreams is how uh, Marshall Erickson feels about Field of Dreams when they're going through uh, deal breakers. And his, his deal breaker for Robin is that she doesn't like Field of Dreams. I'm with him on that because that movie's awesome and you should watch it. Even It's not about baseball. It's about fathers and sons and it doesn't matter anyways <laughs> i'm getting distracted here but i did think that was funny and, and watching them you know like come together also funny the last thing i have here uh that i want to mention is sean marr popping up in the finale so neat i hope they don't break up just so that i can see more of sean marr if the show comes back again knock on things um any other any final thoughts on looking yeah it was really strange that uh everything else got shunted into about seven minutes of the episode uh, although on the other hand, I like that we didn't that we didn't get any more drama in the Augustine plot. Um, I'm that would have been too much drama for for a looking finale. It would have felt wrong. Um, and lastly, the direction of the episode by Andrew Hay uh, was beautiful. The the tracking shot in the basement and that final shot just slowly panning out from the barber shop. Beautiful stuff. Absolutely. And this is another series that I expect to be in the conversation at the end of the year for for various year bests or, or moments or performances, things like that. It is it is an absolutely gorgeous show, beautifully directed every week. Such great music. So many. And does wonderful it not elements. make you and does it not make you want to go to San Fran? Um, maybe it's it's super pretty. Can't really argue with that. So what? But move. We got to keep things moving. So, what uh, wins your week in comedy? Oh Lord. Uh. Uh. uh um. Hmm. I guess I' gonna have to give it to girls. Uh. But I kind of want to give it to Looking on Principle. Yeah, I had to give it to girls as well. Um. So good. Such a good finale, and one I don't expect a, a finale of the type I do not expect to get from girls again. They don't really do satisfying moments on girls like this. So, um, yeah, so much fun. Anyways, now we'll take a break and we'll come back with our week in genre and drama. 
Perfect underneath the surface of you guys. Smile like the sunshine. Keep it sexy, your shoes are just sepia. Yeah. God damn it! You got my tongue tied. Girl with a bad side. I'm a dog, we could get into a cat fight. If you act right, I can hit you back right. Make you wanna kill a kid like a cat die. This week in genre and drama, I'll dive in with the iZombie pilot and a little more discussion of the first four for that. Uh, Bloodline season one dropped on Netflix this week. I caught up with all of Empire. So we'll talk about that. Or I should say I'll talk about that a little bit. Then if we're going to catch up with things, there's still a show going on uh, that nobody else likes. That Last time we checked in, at least uh, we liked it. That's the slap. So we'll check in with that very briefly as well. Um, Fortitude uh, had another episode. Again, we didn't check in with it last week. We'll check in with it this week. And then we have our normal shows of Better Call Saul, uh, Bingo, and Justified, Burned, The Americans, Divestment, and, of course, The Good Wife, Red Meat. So to kick things off, oh, God, we've set up in our gargantuan, we've set up an impossible Herculean task for ourselves to talk through all these shows intelligently and interestingly in 40 minutes. Uh, let's talk about iZombie, which had its pilot on the CW this week. And of course, we, and we've also seen the first four, but let, let's kick things off with the pilot and then we'll keep it spoiler free, but we'll get more general at the end of the discussion. Uh, what did you think of this pilot? Um, It's okay. Uh, that's sort of my general feeling about iZombie is it's okay. I would so love it if it were great. Uh, I mean, this comes to us from Rob Zombie. Uh, Rob Zombie. <laughs> this comes to us from Rob Thomas. Uh, who, of course, we know from Veronica Mars and Cupid and Party Down and All Things Good. And this show is just not on that level right now. I think that's safe for everyone to say, even the people who really like it. And those people do seem to exist. Um, the I think what disappoints me about it is uh, something that Rob Thomas is so great at is world building with character in mind. And... This this show does set up its world very economically, uh, and it sets up some very outlandish concepts in uh, in a remarkably swift way that feels uh, coherent. But the characters just aren't sticking out to me the way that they do in other Rob Thomas shows, and the, in particular, this device of uh, the main character played by Rose McIver, who we know from uh, how, from um, Masters of Sex and a couple other places. Um, she she they're they're going for something uh specific with her at first but then this notion of she eats brains and then she takes on these these characteristics and those characteristics kind of take over for the episode uh that really dilutes her character and i'm i'm sort of i wish they had downplayed that a little bit at least at, at first so that we could get to know her really and, and develop a strong emotional attachment which is something the veronica mars pilot is amazing at uh and that creates other problems as well. And, and it's it's also very procedurally to to a degree that I was not really expecting. And I'm going to have to get used to that as well. But I I don't know. It, it, it has some some elements of interest. It has some of the uh, trademark Rob Thomas wit. But uh, I got to say, I'm a little bit slightly underwhelmed, although I'm, I'm hoping for better things later. Yeah, I think this could grow into something that is very strong. And I don't think it's there yet. I think the, 
I mean, and, and not to diminish any other critics out there who felt this way, but it seems to me that that, that the all this, um, at least what feels like consensus, that this is uh, very, very much Veronica Mars. It's Veronica Mars kind of 2.0, um, but more comic booky. That just tells me how much people want another Veronica Mars, because this does yeah. not... This is not Veronica Mars 2.0. It's no, the Veronica Mars came out of the gate with a really strong pilot and a fantastic, one of the best ever first seasons. Like, if you want to talk about a great one and done first season, Veronica Mars season one is, is there. Um, the relationship, like, think about the Veronica and her father. The relationship from the first time you see them in the pilot is rock solid. It's amazing. None of the relationships on this show. None of the performances stand. I mean, we really like Rose McIver, and she does a good job. She's a really good job in that in that central role. But that character, like you say, is nowhere near defined enough and specific enough with enough of a point of view um, to to like with Veronica Mars. She's a distinct, highly affected by her life experiences. Like you knew her past. The actors, the writers, they knew who that character was right away. In this, we don't. She doesn't seem like she's been much of a character because she's been so focused on her work and her studies. It doesn't really feel like she's lived very much. And so maybe now it's like a dead like me thing where now she's starting to live after she's died. But even that, I don't feel like there's that strong of a sense of it. Like, I, I feel like if you ask the writers, each of the different writers and the character or the actress and the maybe the director, what was she doing three years ago? And I don't know that any of them could have said something more specific than in med school. Yeah. Um, but I think, but to, and, and to, to expand on that and talk about the relationships, um, you know, like some of the supporting characters are, are vaguely interesting, but I feel as though in that, in that first episode, you, you get a sense of, oh, they're going to be pals. They're going to be pals. They're not going to be pals. Mm -hmm. And that just really just, that's pretty much the extent of it so far. Yeah, I do like the the rapport at the morgue. I like how quickly, like, I like that he already knows that she's figured out that she's a zombie and is totally cool. I, I, I really like how that goes. Uh, to just get that out of the way. Um, I think David Anders is a lot of fun as as the baddie. But then again, but again, that's just not, he's not really a character yet. Um, he's just, this is a show that seems very much focused on being fun. And you know what? That is absolutely fine. We're going to talk about Empire. I'm going to talk about Empire in a little bit. That's also a show that's very interested in being fun. Uh, we at the Televerse strongly endorse the notion that entertaining is not a slur to be slung about as a negative thing for a TV show. I just totally. want it to be more concerned than it is with building some of these relationships. And at least in what I've seen so far, I'm not particularly impressed with the sister I like I love that she is so concerned about her sister and that she knows this is something's wrong. She's not talking to me. She's very concerned about the giant personality shifts. She's seeing her sister and all that. I th I think that's great, but I not I'm not seeing a strong enough rapport between those two actors. I'm not there, there's like no writing, no character development for that sister at all. Um and also I would say the same thing with the cop, the partner. I don't feel like we know him. He gets more of a spotlight episode in a few weeks, but even with that, I don't feel like we know him very much at all and I'm not either I'm not impressed with the actor or they're not giving the actor the right stuff to play for him to be able to impress me either. So I, whereas with, and the, the two guys in the morgue, I can really feel that 
rapport right away. I don't see it in some of the other places in the show that I feel like we kind of need to for it to hit that next level. Yeah, I would agree with all that. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, like you said, I'm, I'm hopeful it can develop into something special, but I don't think it's there yet, uh, which is really too bad because, uh, you know, Rob Thomas, love that dude. Love that dude. Okay, next up is Bloodline, which uh, had the first season drop on Netflix this weekend. I've seen the first five. How many did you make it through? <laughs> That's an excellent way to put it. Uh, I watched two episodes, including the 59-minute pilot, which doesn't seem like a big deal. It's an extra 17 minutes compared to a network show. But you feel it, man. You feel it. Yeah. And this is a, a cast full of people that we love. I haven't seen Damages. This is created by the Damages people. Have you seen Damages? I've seen the first two seasons of Damages. And um, I, I just want to say, like, I know that, that, that's, that people have been excited for the show because of the cast and because of the Damages people. Uh, the first season of Damages I thought was super fun. Uh, just a crackerjack season of TV, even if some of it didn't make a lick of goddamn sense. Um, then season two just got totally ponderous, despite the fact that it added William Hurt and Timothy Oliphant. How do you screw that up? I don't know, but they did it. Uh, anyway, and I, I stopped watching after that, um, including the change of network. But, uh, I was hopeful that this could maybe capture some of the sort of gonzo energy of early damages, and it does do some of the same formal things in terms of flash forwarding. But yeah, this is not damages. It is not fun. This is not, <laughs> as long as we're talking about entertaining, fun TV, uh, I think the real uh, problem with the show, uh, besides the fact that it's doing all the things that I'm no longer interested in, is that it is so self-serious. And I am, I'm, I'm, I have to, I'm, 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 I can't put things in bold and I can't yell. So I'm just going to put that in as, as much emphasis as I, as I can. That is the real uh, if this show is having any fun with being like a, a pulpy, ridiculous, over-the-top uh, Bayou thriller, uh, I could see that working. But with these stock characters uh, and this notion of family and darkness and secrets, so many secrets, so many secrets, so many secrets, uh, it is, yeah, it's, there's ways to have fun with that and this is not interested in having fun with that, at least from the two episodes that I watched. You watched five. I mean, does that let up at all? For me, it's, um, it's, yeah, you could call it self-importance. For me, it's, it's about tone and this, um, it's just unrelentingly sort of dour. It doesn't let you enjoy the, the venue and how beautiful it is. And some of the relationships, you know, I was totally fine with the all the flashbacks we got. I thought it were, they were done really well, and like especially as they, you can you're, you're getting the characters' perspective as they are thinking about it. They're then we're, you're seeing what they are seeing mentally, and then they get you know drawn back when somebody calls their name or something. I thought that was really that was that was very effective. Um, I didn't need any of the flash forwards. Cut all of them. It's obvious something bad is going to happen. I don't need voiceover to tell me that. I don't need to know eventually there's a character who ends up dead. Like, let us enjoy these moments and watch the character and the progression. Teasing us with what's to come only just ensures that we can't actually enjoy the moments that they're showing us. Don't, they don't, they don't need that. You've got... You've got Kyle Chandler. You've got Sissy Spacek. I say Kyle Chandler first because, of course, we love Coach. Uh, you've got Sam Shepard. You've got Linda Cardellini. You, you've got... Um, help me Chloe out. Chloe Savini. Chloe Savini. Are you kidding me? You've got Ben Mendelsohn. Ben you've Mendelsohn. Got, I mean, 
You've got Stephen Pasquale. You've got a bunch of fun people. And that's enough. You don't need to tease a murder mystery to go on top of all that. I mean, yeah. And, and like, shame. We're good people, but we did a bad thing. It's like, it just adds this dourness and this self-seriousness mm. to everything. And, that... and another dead, naked 16-year-old. Yeah. Lots of dead girls. Because we need more of those. Because if you got to have dead victims, make sure that they're teenage girls, preferably. Uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say preferably. Sometimes they're little white girls and sometimes they're little brown girls. Um, so, yeah, this I, I, I there there are enough elements here that I like that I may watch more of it. But I doubt I will talk about it again on the podcast because I don't think I don't feel like there's any change in the episodes that I watched. I enjoy some of my time with some of the characters because I like the actors and because they're good. Um and I can kind of overlook, like, laundry folding kind of thing. I, where if I'm not thinking too much about the annoying elements, right. I can just kind of enjoy having Coach on my TV again. Sorry, I, Coach who can swear on my TV. Yeah. Um, Which, can, I, I feel the need to mention, uh, like, at least in these early episodes, uh, I have to fault Kyle Chandler a little bit. Because he's not doing enough to differentiate in his performance between Coach and this character. Like, I've enjoyed his film appearances, but... Uh, when he's still using that Texas drawl and saying things like, uh, you and I need to have a conversation, um, that's Coach. And he he doesn't sound or move like the other characters. He sounds and moves like Coach. So I'm hoping that that uh, subsides in future episodes if I ever watch any. Yeah, for me, I felt like he was a different character, distinct enough character. Uh, at first, though, the first couple episode or maybe episode and a half, it's especially jarring when you see him talking to and making out with his wife. I'm like, Coach, how could you? <laughs> uh, yeah. But but no, I, it, I for me, it's different different enough character and a different enough performance. It's a very similar type of character. Yeah, it, it that. This feels like the drama to that show's comedy sort of performance, even though Friday Night Lights is, of course, a very dramatic series. Um, but this is a series where you can't have Coach just being funny ever. I can't have that that character. You know, his that, this kind yeah, of this no. character doesn't know how to laugh at himself, and Coach does. This feels like someone imported Coach into Darkness at Noon. Okay, that's harsher than I would be, but we should move on. <laughs> There are yes. way more important things for us to be talking about. One of them is Empire. I watched all of season one this weekend because uh, it had the biggest finale ever, ever, exclamation point, exclamation point one. Um, 16.85 million people apparently watched that finale. And so I figured I should see what all the to-do is about. I liked the, the pilot, as I recall, and just didn't have time for it, but thought it was fun. And that pretty much continues through the whole season. I think this is a very bingeable show. And my basically my favorite elements in the pilot are still my favorite elements at the end of the season. Taraji P. Hansen is fabulous. She's so much fun. Uh, the the Jesse Smollett, who I liked very much in the pilot, and I really like throughout the season. Um, I have problems with Terrence Howard, and that was a not insignificant reason that I didn't feel like making time for the show at the beginning, and I still. I'm not happy to be watching a show that he's on. But that's my own personal stuff. That's not about the quality of the performance or any of that stuff because he's a very good actor. Um, the music is fun. It's good enough. Uh, and sometimes it's better. And bringing out the guest stars they bring out is just... Because this is a show that knows that it is go. It is a nighttime soap. This is Dynasty. That's what this is. And as soon as they embrace that and don't... Go, they, they mention King Lear in the pilot. As soon as they, they go from... 
we're not trying to be King Lear. We're being King Lear via Dynasty. That's a show that knows its tone. That's a show that knows what it's doing. And it is a lot of fun. I absolutely see why it's really caught on. And I look forward to watching the next season. For me, it's not like I don't think watching week to week would have been necessarily the best choice for me because I couldn't wait to see what Cookie was going to do next. Absolutely. But um, having a week in between to think about some of the plot. Uh, not so much not so good yeah not so good but i mean they brought courtney love on for two episodes and she was great she was so much fun they brought i mean this patty the bell is in the the i think the finale um just being fabulous and you know i just i think it's a really fun show and it's an underserved audience um both for music musicals we were talking a little bit off mic about um the the glee approach versus the empire approach doing original music i think is a really really smart choice for the show but like just having hip hop be your soundtrack is such an, again, that's an, that's the underserved audience as far as I'm concerned, the hip hop fans out there. Um, yeah, not every music show needs to be a bunch of pop and country. So yeah, I, I'm glad that it's done well. I'm glad that it looks like next season will be even shorter if anything. Um, Cause I think that's also crucial to this show's success, but yeah, I totally get it. I get why everybody like, likes it and I'm glad I spent the time. Think you'll watch any. Uh, it's the sort of show where I I kind of want someone to make me like a collection of scenes or a collection of like excerpts to watch. Just watch a cookie supercut on YouTube. There you go. If someone could make like a 25 minute cookie and maybe musical performance uh, supercut, that would be great because I am curious about uh, the soundtrack. But yeah, I don't think I could do the whole show. It's just too much. Fair enough. Um, quickly, the slap. Uh, we had Manolis, Connie, Aisha. Um, you have, uh, have a couple episodes to catch up on. I just wanted to mention it quickly because I am still watching it. You are still watching. We plan to check in by the finale. Um, Aisha, I think is the best episode they've had since maybe Harry. So I thought that I, I really liked that episode. Um, they, the, does not hurt that the narration is all but gone by that last episode. We needed a break after the Manolis episode. Yeah, the Manolis episode, I, I would say actually that I really love the narration in the pilot, and ever since then it's been diminishing returns. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. because they use more of it, or because it gets more openly explanatory in ways that are boring. Uh, but yeah, they, they kind of lost their grip on that. Yeah. I like how the, they developed Connie, I like the backstory that they gave her, and I like how they developed... Aisha and gave her a backstory that I didn't necessarily expect. I also like how things unfold with her and Hector in that episode. Some of their conversations I think are really interesting and maybe underrepresented in these kinds of shows, um, but to be continued when you've seen them. So for now, I'm actually still watching the slap. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about fortitude. Um, so I, I feel like I, we're going to get, we're going to keep this short cause we're going so long, but um we got to mention Morton and Dan teaming up. I think that was last week. And we got to mention uh, the town's reaction to Shirley, as far as I'm concerned. That was really effective. Um, and I really liked the the share, no, the the mayor's marital things. I thought they brought that in in a way that felt um, engaging and not like a distraction. And in a show like this, it's very easy for the relationship dramas to, you know, for it to go, for that, not to be able to balance that tone where you've got all this crazy stuff going on, but you actually do still care about the smaller dramas in people's lives. So I, I thought it was impressive that they managed to make that really work, at least for me. What did, what did you think? Yeah, Fortitude is managing some really tricky balance stuff like that, where I don't feel as though 
I I'm in I'm invested in a really heartrending way in any of the relationships, but I think they're it, it's handling its its pacing and characterization in an effective enough way that it's all just good enough <laughs> to <laughs> to work, and it doesn't really need to be more than that. Uh, as long as all the genre elements are working, which they really are. Um, I'm not sure how much I needed the Marcus torture stuff. Like, uh, it's, it just, it felt very similar to the way scenes like that have been executed in other series. Although, I don't know, maybe you just enjoyed that because you wanted to see him suffer. I don't know. No, I didn't need that. Um, and, um, as well as the wife, I just, Jessica Reigns, you know, called the midwife, as well as she handles that, um, I wasn't particularly happy that they put that actress. I was not happy to see that actress have to play that same beat that I've seen her play a bajillion times. She comes in and she is saintly and she eases down the, you know, like I, I was, you know, and especially I, it seemed jarring to me that they had her be the one who say, who says in the, the town meeting, the episode before, that's not fortitude. It's like, dude, you're new. Your whole plot yeah. beat for like four episodes was how you're the new girl and you don't like it here. Why are you saying what Fortitude is like? I uh, I will say I've I've seen the next episode and there's a beat with her that I really really liked, uh, which is which is good news. But I I agree with you that they they got a little bit repetitive with her. Um, I also liked all the stuff with uh, with Henrik uh, going off to die. Um, mm. I I also I couldn't. This is not at all intentional, but I was reading recently about how Michael Gammon has had to not do theater work anymore because his memory is just not what it was, and I I couldn't I couldn't not think about that when he was like, oh dude, don't do it. Thanks for bringing me down here. That's great. It's wonderful. Sorry. Any final thoughts here? You want to talk about Ronnie at all? Or uh, the, the, they have a town medic and, and the town doctor, and now the medic is busy, can't help anyone else because the medic's busy trying to save the doctor, which I think is a fun little moment of co- dark comedy. Yeah, I, I, I will say that this episode may have the shortest cold open in television history, and between and I and I. I don't know about you, but I had to watch the cold open immediately again after seeing the end of the episode, and I still don't know what's going on, and it's very much by design. Yeah. And I'm cool with it, because it seems like they know what they're doing and where they're going. Um, Speaking of knowing what they're doing and where they're going, uh, Better Call Saul. Bingo. Like that transition there? Ah. Uh, What You know, we got more time with the Kettlemans this week, and what did you think of that? Yes, I mean, the the Kettlemans are classic Coen Brothers characters, essentially, and I feel like we're done with them after this week, and that's fine. Uh, I'm actually, I don't really know where they're going to go after this, despite the fact that I feel like the show knows where it's going, because it feels like all the major plot beats are basically done, um, in terms of the stuff with the Kettlemans and the and Jimmy's old firm. Uh, I mean, it feels like we have to get Michael Mando back again somehow, mm-hmm. uh, and... And that's going to kickstart whatever I think will eventually turn him into Saul. I like I, I don't really have a mental timeline for how long from now it is that he becomes Saul and then and then encounters Breaking Bad. Um, I do feel as though uh, just just to sort of theorize here at some point, maybe next season, I feel like they're going to hit just before uh, the events of Breaking Bad and then we're going to skip over Breaking Bad. And then that's yeah. going to be the show. Like that to me is it. And I feel like it's going to happen in the middle of a season just because Vince Gilligan is like that. Or, you know, these writers are, are prone to doing wacky things like that. This um, team, But that's yeah. just that's just personal theorizing. That being said, uh, as far as the world of the, of the show goes, uh, this was another really um, affecting episode to me. I, I, I loved everything we got with uh, with Jimmy and Kim. I know I've read some people complaining about the the Kim character. I think it's just weird. I think I, th- I think what people are responding to is the fact that she's a relatively 
uh, well-adjusted, normal human woman, which is a character <laughs> that we never really got to see uh, on Breaking Bad because shit just hit the fan so uh, so thoroughly there. Um, and I, I like this this idea that uh, that he, Saul has uh, Jimmy feels like he has this connection with her, but never ever speaks of it, and it's it it remains unspoken until, of course, that final scene when he just freaks the hell out. Um, I don't know. All that stuff really worked for me. I, I that I, I got the feels there. Yeah, it was it was really good because we know to expect the feels from the Michael McKeon stuff and what we get with him, you know, standing outside this week and that like we know to expect feels from that. Um, but no, they are handling him very well. I think it also for me, and I don't know the age of the actors, but I feel like there's more of an age difference between the actors than they're supposed to be with the characters because you remember that this is theoretically before breaking bad you know like so like jimmy is younger than bob odenkirk and so i think if they're more peers in that way that helps um because we didn't necessarily see their their background at the firm but theoretically his older brother had fostered her and and he was a proponent of her as well like so I think there's more of a connection there that maybe we haven't seen. But I really like that Kim character, and I think uh, she's been great on the show. And it, I, I, what it seems to me like they're setting up, and who knows? It, so far, I, it feels like they're they've already set this up. As far as I'm concerned, is a um, road not taken, where at a certain point, um, if things had worked out with Kim, if the firm, if if he had gone, if he hadn't returned this money to the Kettleman's. And he'd been able to open up his business and then Kim had come on board after a while and like that kind of a thing. He would have had this whole, he wouldn't have never become Saul Goodman. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that I really like the way that they seem to be, you know, kind of playing with that. And I like that we're getting so much time with him still as Jimmy. I love that we could easily end this first season and Saul Goodman is the only time we've heard that in flashback, you know? Um, yeah. So another really strong episode and... um yeah, those Kettleman's, like you're right, those are total, total Coen Brothers characters. Uh, delightful. I would just quickly add, uh, it, I feel as though the arc they're going with for Jimmy is that he's the guy who, uh, despite certain urges, really does try to do good things and then is, ceasel- and is ceaselessly punished for it. And at, at a certain point, uh, he's obviously going to break bad in his own way. Um but I feel like when that happens, it's going to be a very different sense than when it, than when it happened for Walt, because we get the sense that he really did try quite often to do the right thing, even in his own way, and it just it never worked out for him. And that's a very different sort of uh, emotional space to put your character in. Yeah. Um, I want to go down and tangent. I want to dive into this more, but we have already gone, gone longer than we were supposed to for the dramas. <laughs> so we're going to put a pin in that. To be continued. Okay. Justified. Burned. Shall we start or end with our boy Jonathan Tucker coming on the show? Uh, let, let's start there. I mean, Jonathan Tucker is not going to mean a lot to everyone. Uh, I think if you watch Parenthood, you'll remember him a little bit as Bob Little. If for some reason you've been watching Kingdom, like one of the five people in the world, uh, including us, has been, you'll know him immediately because he absolutely ruled. Yeah, uh, of course, the Fanables out there will know him uh, as the uh, the orderly from season two of Hannibal. Right, which I completely forgot he was even on Hannibal um, somehow. But yes, he's he's got a, an incredible little CV building up, and he sh- he turns up as Boone in this episode. I it's he will very clearly be a very big deal for the rest of the run of the show. 
Uh, I know the producers have been wanting to use him for a while, and he turns up in the most outlandish way possible. Uh, I like the way that he shows up with no context. Um, he just shows up at Loretta's house. We don't know who he works for. We don't know what his business is. Uh, we just know that he's left a headless snake on the floor and that he's really, really creepy. And that's, that's the right approach with him. And, uh, I've, I kind of always figured that the, that the final baddie or the final henchman or whatever on Justify was going to be a sharpshooter. And he is, and that's just, it's pretty much exactly what I expected them to do. And if they're going to do that, Jonathan Tucker is a good way to go with it. Well, and again, not just a sharpshooter, but a quick draw specifically because they've had other yes. like soldiers and you know sniper kind of things to to contrast with tim um but yeah specifically a quick draw um and here's someone who's younger and at this point gotta be faster than raylan raylan's always been the fastest gun there but he had that injury and and he's you know he's older and he's drinking a lot more uh so it, <laughs> there's no way at least as far as i'm concerned boone's gotta be he's not as smart as Raylan, it doesn't seem, but he's got to be a faster draw. And so that puts Raylan in a position that he's never quite been, because he's always been confident. At the very least, he was, it was an equal match. If not, he just clearly, he could always just shoot this guy if things started to go. And I like that that's a, you know, if they're going to end with Raylan leaving, part of that is leaving behind his persona, this swaggering, you know, can take anyone into a quick draw kind of persona of the cowboy, you know, it, it ties, it ties to show back around to its roots as such a obvious Western. Mm -hmm. uh, or I mean, yeah, he, he kind of, the, the Tucker character kind of reminds me of Fletcher Nix, that one-off uh, baddie we got at the start of, I want to say season four uh, played by Desmond Harrington. Yeah. The uh, ice pick killer. Yeah, that guy ruled, and Jonathan Tucker is very much in that same sort of uh, vein. Anyway, Alan uh, Tudyk's character, was... same, similar deal. Yeah, definitely. Um, R.I.P. Alan Tudyk's character. Come on. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, um, uh, but really, to me, this was the Loretta episode. I love the way that uh, it, I was sort of rolling my eyes when it seemed like, oh, they're going to let Boyd give another big speech, and it's going to be they're going to do this for the third time. But then to have Loretta take that over. And just absolutely grab everyone by the balls uh, was a fantastic way to do that. Yep. Mags 2.0, having learned from Mags mistakes, too. Um, and and to, again, to call back to the show's history with that, the first time we saw her by having her bring out the apple pie and then to continue that here, it makes it not feel like a tired retread. It makes it feel like an honoring of the show's history and the th way, the way that they've been doing all season. But in a way that also feels organic for Loretta. If she was going to break good, you could say, that would have happened the last time we saw her when when Raylan was getting getting her out of trouble. And I also like this idea, he's leaving town. He's not going to be able to get her out of trouble anymore. She's going to need to decide to not get into trouble. And clearly, as we see in the, these episodes this season, that's not going to happen. And he needs to accept that that is a thing that he is leaving behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, this idea that Raylan's made the decision to leave and that decision sort of has little consequences that he's just going to have to accept like well well that's just not going to break my way oh well which is not is really not in Raylan's character yeah. and that's i i like that they're taking the time to explore that we should mention win uh and the tanning bed uh i i don't i i we talked about this in the past i do not like that they it feels like they're almost retconning that win was around and was a figure 
during this this um Catherine and uh uh Sam Elliott you know, like this whole part history to the show that is not who he was introduced as it didn't he didn't feel like he had this long history in Harlan earlier on and the fact that they didn't mention it at the beginning of the season makes this feel more like a hey, we don't want people to figure it out ahead of time like they did in season 4 you know or season 5 um yeah so so that's a little it feels quite like a cheat to me um but I, you know Jerry Burns is great does a good and this will give him more to play and it'll be a lot of fun I'm sure um also we should mention Zachariah uh not Loving that, but hey, it was a fun. I mean, just just kill him. Why wouldn't he just kill him? But whatever, it was a fun sequence, I guess. Um, and then the last thing is Catherine shooting the henchman. So much fun. Sea bass, sea bass uh, was his <laughs> name. Rest in peace, sea bass. That was great. Uh, and Markham's reaction to that was was priceless. Uh, yeah, I would agree with everything you just said about about Win Duffy. I do like that Win Duffy has had an entire arc over the course of the show, which I'm not totally sure if it makes perfect sense, but I like that he's been, been allowed to evolve in a way that I don't think any criminal henchman in history has ever been allowed to evolve. Uh, and it's just been a testament to Jerry Burns being, uh, being such an entertaining guy to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do we have any final thoughts on this episode or is it Americans time? <sighs> Only four justifieds left. Anyway, Americans time. Divestment. Uh, this again, sh- this is not, this is not, She's not in that much, you know, she doesn't get that much screen time. But this is, again, the Martha episode for me, because I'm way more invested in that than I am in anything else that's going on. And I'm very invested in everything else that's going on. Uh, Well, I'd be I'm curious as to how you felt about I mean, obviously, we had her being interviewed by Walter Taffet, who I I like that they named the last episode after him so that we always remember who he is. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, this notion that she finally confronts Clark about it and Clark essentially puts a pin in the situation uh, by admitting, but not admitting, but admitting, but not admitting. Um, And we're just supposed to accept that for now. Like, how do you feel about that idea? I think that I can buy it because again, like we said before that she so much wants it to not be all a sham. She so much wants to believe him that it's going to take her some time to process. Either it would be a snap moment and she would immediately click it together and be devastated, but understand and have accepted it, or it's going to take her processing time. And when it wasn't an instant, you know, shoot herself or walk march right into the office and tell them what's going on. Um, I believe that this is something that Clark could get away with. That Philip could get away with um, stretching out. He doesn't start with we're the KGB. He starts with, I love you. And I didn't mean for this to happen, but it did. And so I couldn't let you go. Like, I think that is a smart way to play it. As soon as he realizes that's going to be an option. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, no, I think that that's, that's accurate. Uh, that's definitely the plot that I'm most, I don't know if I'm, if I'm the most emotionally engaged in compared to what's happening with Paige, but uh, it's the one that they could do the most different stuff with. And I, I will probably accept it. And I have no idea where they're going to go with it or when, 
or to what level. And that's the, the joy of the Americans that they, they have uh, this massive set of options uh, with, with each of these plots and, uh, and how they'll interact with each other. And I still have no idea how it's going to break. That's just wonderful. Um, we, I know we, we talked a little bit before about Nina uh, this week. She, uh, she gets, I guess, another assignment, which we don't really uh, fully understand what the scope of that is going to be yet. I'm intrigued. I, I'm. It's kind of seems like they're going to spend the whole season with her just in Russia doing her own thing, with which uh, that that is a way to go with that. I mean, it. I'm glad that they. Uh, I I was my concern with that was going to be that that by episode three or four they they conned they they conned us into buy into trying to buy a way that she's back in the states already. And this seems, this feels like the lesser of two evils. Like she's still on the show, but in a way that doesn't feel like substantially connected to the rest of it. And I, for that reason, I'm willing to just go with it. I really like the actress. And so I'm glad that she's getting paid. <laughs> However, for me, she's off the show for a season. You find out in a flashback episode, the next season, what she's been doing this whole time. And she's back the next season like that. I love the Americans. They're doing a great job, all things considered, trying to paint their way out of corner or, or to work their way out of a corner they painted themselves into with, with Nina. And I love that they committed to it, like you say. That they don't try to just, you know, and she's back. Hey, she knew a guy. Um, but compare anything we're getting with Paige and anything we're getting with Martha with the Nina stuff. We spend so much time this episode on the Nina subplot. And the, any like the brief scene we get about Paige and Gregory, and the brief scene we get Martha and Clark, I'm so much more invested in either of those. It's not even funny. I might be more invested, maybe, with Stan's marriage than I am with what's going on with <laughs> Nina right now. That's saying something. I'm more That's invested in the poor fair. male robot who just can't get can't get a break than that male robot than I am uh, with Nina Sergeyevna right now. Yeah, that's that's entirely fair. I can't fault you for that. Yeah. Any final thoughts on the Americans? Uh, no, it continues to be great. Uh, and as as, as as everyone else has said, poor Martha. Poor Martha. Poor Martha. Well, next up is The Good Wife, Red Meat. Um, and before we dive in fully with this, uh, I, I know where I want to start out. We'll get to Diane. We'll get to Oliver Platt. We'll get to the rest of the show. But because I feel like I need to bring this to listeners' attention because it was brought to my attention last week by the Firewall and Iceberg podcast. And I really felt like I had been missing out when I discovered this. Dude, Stephen Pasquale can fucking sing. And now they're sending him Poochie off to his home planet. And he's never going to sing on the show. And that is... Like, if they wanted us to like Elfman and to see any chemistry between the two of them, they they should have let him sing. They should have given him a character, really. That's what they should have yeah, done. That would have been a good idea. But that would have been a great way to do it. Even Head... You know, like, H- Head uh, Elfman could have could have sang last week. Uh, I discovered this week, uh, with quick Googling, not only some, some Broadway uh, work that he's done, but uh, on Rescue Me, apparently playing a total dude bro, um, he had a few fantasy sequences that were amazing and so much fun. And I feel like I've been robbed of that. There's, there's so many great Broadway actors on this show. Let them sing, The Good Wife. Yeah. It, it, it's really something when Dennis Leary has outclassed you. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. Is, is, is Pucci going off to his home planet? Do you think we're going to see him again? Uh, well, we're definitely going to see him again. Um, it does feel like he's ghosting for a while, which, uh, okay. 
it does not feel like a coincidence that the same episode we finally actually get Finn Palmar back. Finn Palmar. Finn Palmar. That he's gone. Like, he just knows, like, okay, this, I can't, I can't, I just can't. Uh, so just like, it's not really what happens, but in my brain, it's what happens. Like, oh, the real one's here. All yeah, right, they tagged bye. in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I hope this was another relatively insubstantial episode of The Good Wife, to be honest, which is weird because it should be super substantial because the states, they spent 16 episodes, 16 episodes on the state's attorney race. So let's say that again. 16 episodes. This is the sort of plot that I feel like in any other season of The Good Wife, they would have gotten done in eight eight or nine at most right they've done elections in eight or nine episodes yeah it's true i liked i liked this episode uh i liked the alicia stuff in it i liked the alicia finn stuff i liked of course marissa gold just these 16 episodes have been worth it just for marissa gold body woman um and and her steering alicia trying to get alicia to play halo um delightful as ever any donuts Andy Donuts, an excellent choice, Alicia Florek. The chocolate cake donut, uh, good, good texture, and yes, that that is what that feels like, I think, when you've been trying to eat healthy for a while. I like what we get with Peter here, but it's just so, un- like, it's just out of the blue, sort of. And I, I was appreciating it as, oh, Alicia's going to lose, and that's going to be his um, s- sabotaging her is going to be what finally pushes them to separate. Um, or pushes Alicia to, to dump his ass, but then he doesn't at the end. And I kind of, I need that to go somewhere. And I don't know that it is. They seem like they're in a holding pattern now, which is frustrating to me. I, I don't know. What, what do you think about the Peter stuff? Uh, it feels like we've been in a holding pattern with those characters since the end of last season when they agreed to have an arrangement and then... I mean, they've barely had any scenes together where they haven't just been Machiavellian with each other, so uh, it kind of makes sense to me that it hasn't gone anywhere, although I would like it to. Uh, it, w- it was a foregone cl- conclusion to me that she was going to win when she said that she'd like to lose. <laughs> like, when she's like, oh, it's a relief. Like, okay, if it's a relief, then you're definitely going to win. Like, that was immediately uh, in my brain. Speaking of ghosting, uh, I'm assuming that's the end of Frank Prady, which is would, would be a shame, because I was really hoping that he would take her up on his on, on her offer, but it made sense that he didn't. Yeah, well, and I like that he didn't. I like that she doesn't, she wants to have this, like, everybody wins! Happy end, and you don't get to have that, because in an election, somebody wins and somebody loses, and that's how it goes. So, um, I, I hope he will pop up again. I would be very, again, like you said, I'd be very surprised if um, he didn't, just because that's, that's what the show is, like when you're saying with Elfman. Um, but no, I think that that worked well. Like they brought David Hyde Pierce in for just that brief scene. I thought that made sense. Um, any thoughts on Diane and uh, Gary Cole and all the rich people? Uh, first of all, it's amazing to me that Oliver Platt has not already been on The Good Wife. Mm-hmm. I that was just a, That was a stunning revelation to me. Um, the... I, it was fine. It, it, I like that they're that they're giving Diane stuff to do for the first time in the season recently. It would be nice if if the stuff with her and Kurt wasn't always about. But I'm a Repu- you're a Republican and I'm a Democrat. How are we gonna make it work? Like, let's give them another beat, guys. Like, it's their their life should not be all about politics. But yeah, it was it was fine. It was passable. Uh, it was amusing. It wasn't like revelatory or anything. No thoughts on the the hunting and uh, and the abortion discussion and any of that stuff. 
Uh, <laughs> any thoughts on abortion? Um, I mean, I wasn't wild about the way that Diane didn't seem to put up that much of a fight in the in the abortion scenes, but I'll I'll leave that there. Um, I I will say that I think Diane is the only human being who's surprised that Diane likes to shoot and kill things. <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought they did they do a good job bringing up like Diane doesn't want to. She's ha- she's having trouble eating the thing that she killed, even though that would be to waste the death. But she can't, you know. And, and the the just the notion of is it better to have someone else take care of it for you, um, and do the dirty work? Or for you to accept, like, which is better? You know, I like that that they didn't really go into that, um, but that subtext is there. Um, it was a bit on the nose that then after she lands the big one, at least for a meeting, then she can confidently eat her venison. I think that was a bit on the nose, but um, I, otherwise, I, I thought it was it was a fun episode. But yeah, like you said, not as not near the heights of of last year. I, I guess I would say. Any final thoughts on the Good Wife, or if not, what wins your week in genre and drama? Oh, uh, no more thoughts. I will give it to... Oh, I feel like it's Saul or Americans. Uh, I'll give it to Saul. I feel like Americans is going to do some big stuff soon. Uh, I'm going to actually give it to Justified for the Loretta speech. For, Just for, for Loretta getting her mags on. Well, and Tucker and, you know, some other good stuff, too. And I don't know how many opportunities I'm going to get to to spotlight ju- Justified. So I figure, you know, they ha- it, was a good, it was a very good episode. Lots of really great stuff. And the way they brought Loretta back in um, really made sense and worked. So it seems like, uh, it seems like the week for Justified for All me. All right. Fair um, enough. Now, if you show notes, you can find a post up for this episode at soundonsite.org where you can let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. We're up in iTunes. We have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed, and we would very much appreciate any uh, ratings or reviews we could get there. It helps other people find the show. You can find us, you can like us in Facebook to follow the goings on Sound on Site TV and start up a conversation there. And of course, we're both on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse, and Simon, you are. At Sucker Howell. And what is our question of the week? Uh, you know, watching Justified and The Good Wife this season in particular, uh, which, are, I mean, Justified's on its sixth and final season, and Good, Wa- and Good Wife is just on its sixth period, I've been thinking about the principle of five seasons, which, if it's not a thing that I invented, I'm going to pretend that I invented it. Um, I'm not calling it a rule, I'm calling it a principle, because I'm sure that there's more than one exception. But I feel like the, print, the the basic outline of the principle is if you're going past five seasons, beware. I'm say, and that's like to show runners and writers and people that you need to be extra vigilant about what you're doing, because I feel like it tends to be after the fifth that, or either at or after the fifth that things get dicey. Um, and there, I, I mean, I could go on with loads of examples, but we were already running long. Uh, I'd, I'd be curious to get some some listener feedback on that. I'm not saying there are no exceptions. There are several, uh, most of them comedies, but uh, I think there's something to it. Okay, so you want the question of the week is what shows best exemplify or, or disprove? Disprove. Okay. Now I know uh, this is a controversial choice for many, but I really like the last season of Lost, season six, though I know many people would would rather it didn't happen. But now I'm I'm not saying that good good things can't happen after season five. But could the show not have been would would the show not have been better had it been condensed to five as opposed to stretched out to six? Um, well, but I think, oh God, we get, we can't get into this because we're so, <laughs> so long. 
that is a conversation to be had um, at another time. Because then the convers because then what happens is you have to look at where the season breaks happen and the creative time that gives the writers and that's why it's a number of seasons and not a number of episodes. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say no. That I think there are a couple seasons that would have been better if they'd been shortened. But I, you know, I think the writers needed each of the breaks, you know, in between. It's it's a whole thing. Get into that, right. but it's an, inter- okay. it's an excellent point. But uh, that's what I'm going to go with for now. Uh, I look forward to listeners' thoughts on this, but I think it's an excellent principle. Um, Supernatural is a prime example. It took them like two, three years to catch up uh, to 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 recover from going past five seasons, um, which I'd say they now have at ten. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's an excellent theory, and I look forward to, to our listeners' reactions. Um, now we're going to take a break and come back with friend of the show, David Bax, from Bachelor Pretension, and Hey Watch This, member of the Five Timers Club of the DVD shelf, to talk about Gossip Girl. Hey, Upper East Siders. Gossip Girl here, and I have the biggest news ever. One of my many sources, Melanie91, sends us this. Spotted at Grand Central, bags in hand, Serena Vanderwoodson. Was it only a year ago our it girl mysteriously disappeared for, quote, boarding school? And just as suddenly, she's back. Don't believe me? See for yourselves. Lucky for us, Melanie91 sent proof. Thanks for the photo, Mel. Dan, Jenny, over here. Hey, Dad. Hey, hey, you made it. Welcome back. How was your weekend? How's your mom? She's good. She's, She's good and fine. Spotted, lonely boy, can't believe the love of his life has returned. If only she knew who he was. But everyone knows Serena, and everyone is talking. Wonder what Blair Waldorf thinks. Sure, they're BFFs, but we always thought Blair's boyfriend Nate had a thing for Serena. Where is she being, Serena? And who am I? That's not a secret I'll never tell. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Simon Howell. And this week on the DVD shelf, we're happy to welcome back one of uh, an illustrious group, uh, one of the five timers here at the Televerse. And that's uh, from Battleship Pretension and Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. That's David Bax. David, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. Yes, it is is an illustrious uh, group. I, I am like legitimately proud of it. <laughs> right, um, right now there yeah. are three of you in the five timers timers club. But who has the most? Ricky, our, of course, our seven, our, our general editor, general editor, editor in chief, all that good okay. stuff. The fabulous Mr. Ricky D, um, and he has his next one lined up. It's going to be a lot of fun. But okay, so he'll have eight sooner. This is my sixth. This is your sixth. And right. I'm going to start. I'm going to start like plying you with ideas for DVD shelves because I got to pass them. Well, okay, I okay. I, I look forward to I look forward to this. But the reason I'm I mentioned all of this as lead lead in is because um, I'm gonna give you a little bit of crap here, um, and, oh, oh. and and look forward to your response because it could oh. just be I'm being a snobby TV credit person. So the other shows you've come on to talk about, uh, well, we did one special segment where we talked about Labor Revenant season one, and we talked about zombies and the undead on TV, different representation. I'm gonna kind of put that to the side. It's sort of its own thing. But you've also the other shows we talked about are Angel, Cheers, Deadwood, and Buffy. 
And this week we're talking Gossip Girl. And I think for most people, one of these things is not like the other. So I'm curious your thoughts on what made you want to talk about Gossip Girl. And for you, is it in this, this same company? Um, and and I'm, am I just being snobbish? Or do you sort of have a different relationship with this show than you have with the other shows you've wanted to talk about on the DVD shelf? Um, it is a different relationship, I think. It's because it, this show is not in the company of those shows because it kept going for more seasons than it should have. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, even some of the shows you mentioned that that are my like my favorite show of all time, Buffy. Like, it's not great all the way through. It but it comes back. Um, Gossip Girl, on the other hand, has two phenomenal seasons, I think, and then it kind of just sort of repeated storylines and added more and more of the same storylines for the next four years. Um, and that, so that definitely tarnishes its, rep- its reputation, but I, but I do want to get into that because I kept watching it during that whole time because it's still, there's still something about it. that's a lot of fun to me, even, uh, even when it got, um, uh, really, really corny and, uh, uh, it, it got, it got over the top in a way that's different than the good over the top of the first couple seasons. Um, so in that, I, I guess if we're, if we're making like echelons of, of, of TV, no, I don't think Gossip Girl deserves to be mentioned alongside things like Buffy and Deadwood, but there's something to be said for TV being enjoyable and, uh, I I enjoyed most of six seasons of Gossip Girl. There are some some stretches where I didn't, and it has a serious contender for worst series finale of all time. Uh, not exaggerating, it's terrible. Um, but I actually just um, uh, I'm going to do a plug for myself on BattleshipRetention.com. I wrote a thing about Empire and how I the 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 What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the impetus for writing this thing about it was that I loved Empire and I felt like I had, I felt like I had to justify it to myself. You know, why mm-hmm. I like it so much. Like, I need to figure out how to take this show seriously. Um, and I don't know what, where that impulse comes from, but I don't have, like, that, that's, that's, Gossip Girl is essentially the same thing, but I never really felt any guilt. I, I never felt, I, I don't think guilty pleasures are anything you should, waste your time on I, I never felt any guilt about watching gossip girl but there's something to be said for a show that runs six seasons and i uh a, again except for a couple stretches never got sick of of watching it uh, and i don't want to I, I don't know how many of the episodes i recommended you watched nine of the ten ones i recommended were in the first two seasons and that's really what i want to focus on mm. um but then we i, I do i do want to get into some of the the shipper stuff and the you know, the stuff that made you know a big part of what made the show fun in the years after those first two seasons was, you know, the fact that things like Tumblr exist and you could just have fun, uh, with, uh, fan reactions and, and deciding who you're, uh, you know, who you ship or whom you ship. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Well, and I also think, um, I think the show came along at just the right time. And I did watch, I watched all the episodes, uh, that you sent, uh, with the exception of one, cause the DVD was 
busted. Um, and so, and, and, and a couple others as well. So I, I did get a decent sampling, especially of the first couple of seasons. And I had actually had a lot of fun with the show. I was just kind of giving you a hard time because I enjoyed doing that. But, um, but there's a consistency to the tone that, that I enjoy, especially in the first couple of seasons. And while for me, I never connected to the characters in the way that one would have to, to really get into the show, even at it, you know, at its peak or what is, you know, when you look around online, what is generally considered to be, um, the, the height of its, you know, of, of its, you know, writing and performance and all that. I just, I, I don't care about Blair and I hate Chuck, so it's hard for me to okay. invest in the show, but it, there's a lot that's fun. Well, I will tell you right now that I, I just, Blair is my, I, I'm, I think Blair's, before they just started repeating and wouldn't let her, the, the problem, part of the problem with the show is they had the characters graduate from high school, but then insisted they keep, they, they not change really. Um, but, uh, Blair is a great character and had potential, uh, if the show had kept being good to be one of my all time favorite characters. See, and that's, I think, where, what it comes down to. I think if, if, if you key into Blair, if she works for you or if you're interested in her, the show really works. And for me, I just, didn't and i look forward to simon's thoughts on that as well so i i just wanted her to stop being a bitch and not not really that so much as just um i really just i i the this is so removed this world this escapism that they're you know that they're the show is representing and, and putting out there for people to sort of dive into and really enjoy i just couldn't connect to it I just wanted them all to just get grounded and have they're terrible, terrible parents replaced with people who are actually, you know, should have children and that sort of a thing. <laughs> uh, so, so it's like, I see why they are the way that they are, but that doesn't mean that I, I'm going to care about poor would be rapist Chuck, you know, when something happens to him. So, so like this, well, is you, the there's issue. a certain extent to which you have to, I think, um, take a show's pilot with a grain of salt. Uh huh. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause I'm with you. Like, the the Chuck of the pilot is not someone that I want to I want to become an antihero. The Chuck of the whole first season, as far as I'm concerned, the way oh, he treats he... women throughout, he's like these are the women I've bought and paid for, and he, he's terrible. He's just terrible. But I feel like he's. I mean, this will be again a lofty comparison, but he's sort of like what they did with Al Swearingen. Oh no, that, you didn't. Which is to <laughs> start him. Make him the villain, and then over the course of the show, make him an antihero. Okay, well, Simon, do you <clears throat> I, you have thoughts here? Well, first of all, uh, what was your relationship with Gossip Girl before this? Had you seen any of it? <laughs> and what was you know? Did you, I had fun with these episodes, even if I don't love the show? Wh- how was your what was your relationship, or what was your experience watching these episodes? All right, this is going to take some unpacking. Um, so. A few weeks ago, we started to line up some shelves, and uh, you know, we did Charmed a couple weeks ago, uh, which was a lot of fun uh, to record, at least. And um, t- to me, there's, th- you know, we talk about a lot of great shows on on the podcast. We go back and watch the classics. We we just recorded Mary, T- uh, sorry, just recorded um, Dick Van Dyke show a couple weeks ago, and that was just uh, amazing to go back and watch a show that I otherwise never would have, and is so important and funny and smart and blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes, uh, you get a gossip girl, which is a show that I don't speak. Uh, I don't have the, I don't have the, the, the mental 
capacity to like just th- th- this show and me do not exist in the same uh plane of just of of stuff it just doesn't work uh i and within five minutes of i mean i watched all the episodes on the, on the list but i knew within five minutes of, of starting to watch it that it wasn't going to work for me uh and that's uh it was not an ideal reaction for me because uh i think you know wrote canon canonization you know, talking about the same five great shows over and over is boring, and I don't want to do that. Uh, and for me, Deadwood is one of those shows. I'm I'm amused that we keep bringing it up. Um, but uh, that being said, yeah, uh, this. I mean, I don't care about fashion. I don't care about, um, in general, high schoolers. Um, there are, are exceptions to that rule, but you need to really work to be one of those exceptions. Uh, I don't care about the bourgeois. Usually, unless again you've worked for it, my default setting is I don't care. Um, so, so instantly it's it's got stuff working against it. Um, let's see. Uh, I definitely like I like you, Kate. I anti care about Chuck, and I don't think they ever did enough to like. If this were this is an angel, right? Like this isn't a show where uh, they can send Chuck to hell for like a thousand years and like he can have his skin flayed off every day and then he comes back a legitimately changed human this that's they're if they you know it, it's part of the natural limit of the show that they don't get to do that you know bad things can happen to him and wah he did he did, at the end of one season finale later in the show's run he did get stabbed and almost die uh in europe yeah but like i mean like he should be turned into ground meat and then re and then like somehow reconstitute like that's the sort of thing that i would need to have happen to start caring maybe like and that's just not the sort of thing what i'm saying is that the limits of the show uh work against my sort of natural proclivities so like while watching it i try to push against it and like see what it does well and uh, it was a real it was a real struggle for me and i'm not sure that i succeeded uh and i would i'm with kate on the whole uh on the blair thing i do not care about her she she does the same dumb things in basically every episode that i watched and then ha- comes to the same realization of i should be or it seems to come to the same realization of i should be nice to serena because we're friends uh and then just doesn't and just does the same junk over and over and also she loves chuck which is really stupid yeah but people do stupid things all the time there's that's true but uh, but don't expect me to just just you know but don't it's hard that's completely realistic that's not what i'm saying it's just it's i can't get invested in that because they will create the antichrist well, and I think okay, I'm gonna okay jump in here. Go for it to try to explain. In a, I'll defend. I'll find a way to defend the show by specifically addressing um, Blair and Chuck as a as a ship, um, or you know, many people's OTP. Um, Sorry, could you unpack that acronym for me? That's not one I know. It means one true parent. You gotta spend some more time uh, on some for, forever love. Yes. Um, Do I though? Anyway. <laughs> um, so. I think all the things that you're talking about, Simon, I feel like you're kind of, uh, but I don't blame you for it, but I feel like you're letting some of the superficial stuff get in the way. But then again, that stuff is all there. So if you don't like it, why not let it get in the way? There's plenty of other shows you could be watching. I personally do love the clothes and I didn't watch the first season when it aired. I started watching because I'd read some good reviews, but also because I saw a lot of billboards that had um, Ed Westwick and Chuck's wardrobe, and I was like, I think I've got to watch this show where that guy dresses like that. Um, <laughs> so that is a, that was a big draw for me. But the thing is, 
this isn't the, the reason I say all this stuff is superficial is because uh, at the end of the day is I don't like that. There's got to be a better way to say that. Anyway, uh, at the end of the day, it's it's a show about people and relationships, just like most shows are. Um, and I think you can remove all of the, or you can cut through like the show does all of that layer, that, that superficial uh, stuff that you're talking about, um, about them being, you know, the bourgeois or, you know, fashion plates or uh, all this sort of, sort of thing. Um, and see that there are real people underneath, especially in these early seasons. Um, and I think the reason Chuck and Blair are in many people's minds, right for one another um, is because I think they represent what the show did best in terms of characterizations, which is that um, it, it took this sort of uh, very appealing to a lot of people uh, in an escapist way, not to you, Simon, but to a lot of people, uh, this idea of rich teenagers who get to do whatever they want. You know, there's never, no one ever gets carded on this show. You know, there's money is never an obstacle to anything. Uh, They can literally do whatever they want. And as you talked about, they have, you know, parents who are barely there. Um, and so you get to see something that looks like, well, that could be a fun life. Uh, and then the show, when it's at its best, reminds you that these are still kids. Um, they they carry themselves in a different way because of their environment than, than the teenagers we know. But emotionally and psychologically, these are still kids. And I think uh, Blair, um, with her... Um, you know, her whole queen bee control thing really masking a very deep insecurity that that Serena uh, brings out of her more than anyone else. And I think that's why she keeps going on this cycle with Serena uh, represents that. And then Chuck with his arrogance masking a desperate need for approval because of uh, largely because of his um, his absent uh, you know, his all but absent father or disapproving father. Uh, and um, and dead mother or is she? I'm really going to talk about the later seasons. Uh, I, I think they represent what the show was doing at its best, and they sort of rep- those two characters represent the um, the the core uh, of of the show's themes. That said, I'm a Blair, uh, Blair and Dan shipper myself. Yeah. Okay. We got to talk about that a little bit uh, because I watched a couple of the later uh, episodes. And okay. and one one of them had uh, had some significant. I think it's it's dare right. It's uh, yeah, dare and chair. Yeah, I would have figured it was bland. Yeah, I would like chair, but yeah, yeah. So so um, it had it had some of those scenes, and um, I was actually I didn't. See, I'm sure there are many shippers out there who will strongly disagree with this. I didn't really see much chemistry uh, between between the actors in the the episode that I saw, but I think that also. I was very interested if I had had more time to to watch sort of like a bubble of episodes to watch that build and because you know I think it may have just have been out of context, um, so I wasn't seeing the way that that had progressed over a few episodes to lead to you know, so I, I think I might have needed context, but that was more interesting to me because I feel like I've seen the bad boy who just you know needs the right girl to inspire him to be good. Um, way too many times. And so the, that element to the, the, the good girl, oh, but really she wants to be bad thing with Blair and Chuck, uh, 
I, I just couldn't help but see that element to their relationship. And I was more interested in um, what would Blair be like at this point in the season and the series where she and, and Dan get together. Uh, I was more interested in that relationship, even if I didn't have didn't see the chemistry. So I, th- I think it's very interesting. You're right about the chemistry. I, I think the reason I'm a, a darer, a dare shipper, um, <laughs> is that I, I mean, I understand. I just went through explaining why Blair and Chuck have so much in common, but they have so much in common that they're essentially co-enablers. Uh, and that's a problem for me. Whereas um, Dan brings out the things uh, in Blair that I think are more worth, uh, worth, uh, cherishing which is her uh, her intellect and her taste and her uh, culture those are that's, that's what uh blair and dan have in common uh and I, that's just why i've always responded better to them but i think you're right about the chemistry uh, pen badgley is not great something that i found really strange about the show and maybe i don't know if you guys noticed or or thought about this at all is that like when i wasn't watching the show i seemed to be under the impression that it was quite racy um and like it that it was sort of an object of uh of controversy maybe only because it involved high schoolers uh i don't really know maybe uh maybe dave you can talk more about that but i was just shocked uh in these 10 episodes at least at how chaste it is like the at least in the episodes i watched sex always seems to happen off screen when it happens at all and uh if anyone is ever like sort of even vaguely scantily clad it's usually some prostitute that Chuck's hire that no one cares about. Um, is this like the, for a show that is seemingly so much about scandal, I was shocked at how sort of, uh, I mean, I, I guess sort of in every sense, how kind of like weirdly unsexy it is. But sex is very much a part of their lives, even as high school, what they start out as juniors. Uh, to the way that it's not on screen, at least again, in the episodes that I saw, but like, for example, Serena is not slut shamed at all um, for having slept with people, but, you know, before her junior year, she's, she runs into problems because she slept with her best friend's boyfriend. But the show does not, you know, sexuality and a, a active sex life is normal for these for these kids. And like the only one who it's a big deal when um, when she loses her virginity, as I understand it, is uh, is Jenny. And oh God. I can't believe they I didn't watch that episode. Maybe they did a good job with it, but yay, I'll sleep with the guy who tried to rape me basically in the pilot. That's pilot syndrome. You're right, David, I shouldn't hold that against the show, but, um, but for me, that's what I would speak to about these kids. The fact that it is so, you know, even if it's not showing these activities, it is so matter of fact and unjudgmental about them. I think what surprised me, uh, at least as much though, is, is, is like, I'm trying to figure out the way you were to say it. I don't think it's really coming out. Not only is it not on screen, but people don't really talk about sex in it. Sex is like this, is just like a commodity that, uh, that is sort of talked about, but it's never really parsed at all. Does that make any sense? Yeah. yeah I, but I think, uh, cause I think Kate said it very well. And Simon, maybe try to think of yourself in 2007, 2008. As the parent of a teenager, and um, with this with the show, like whether it's showing things or not, the casualness with which uh, it uh, addresses sex and drug use and all kinds of uh, bad behavior, um, what I think that was that was probably the source of its reputation. It's on the CW. It's a teen 
network um and it probably uh, i think it upset a lot of parents yeah <laughs> i don't think it would have upset me but <laughs> that's just me <laughs> well i want to get back to uh chemistry on the show and cuz for me the the best chemistry on the whole show is blair and serena i love the, the you know i it was way more willing to go with the ups and downs of their friendship because of the incredible warmth that I could feel when they were on an upswing, as it were. Um, And a lot of that to me really comes, I mean, I think they do such a good job with, with the Serena character, with Blake Lively is just, she just glows on the show and that's what the character is supposed to do. Um, But there's a, such a warmth and i and when you talk about what dan brings out in in blair i love what serena brings out in blair when blair is able to overcome her insecurities is there a relationship that you guys particularly key into well that's that's a great one actually because that um uh leads directly into my personal favorite episode which is one of the 10 we watched which is bad news blair from season one um which is the one where um blair's mom asks her to be the model for her fashion line um uh, did you guys both watch yes. that one? Yes. Yes. Uh, because that's you're, everything you're talking about is is right there. That um, y- y- you know the 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 show would become so as it went on. Um, there was so much plot that it just felt like characters talking a lot a lot of the time. I'm sure you noticed that in some of the later episodes. Um, but uh, just the what what it what it shows without saying anything in the, in the photo shoots shoot scene when Blair's sort of like having trouble opening up and then Serena jumps up there with her is, uh, it is that relationship in a, in a nutshell with, without, you know, you could watch it with the sound off and uh, understand, understand that. And that's a big part of why that's my favorite episode. It also, you know, is high, it illustrates that insecurity that, um, that that's the other side of the coin is that, uh, Serena brings this joy and carefree uh, attitude out of Blair, but also is the biggest source of her insecurity. Um, and the other reason I love Bad News Blair so much is that at the end, when Blair's sitting on the floor in the hallway um, and is all upset, and uh, Dan, who she's been nothing but rude to for half a season at this point, comes and sits with her, that, uh, you know, OTP, right? <laughs> all the feels uh simon <laughs> any thoughts uh no again this is not my language but um well and again like individually as a moment that scene is actually quite good uh because it cuts against the bullshit and it's like hey we're just people let's be cool to each other awesome but then that's gone you know by the next episode until they remember it again and then they that's that's the reason that i probably have the hardest time connecting to the show more than the superficial stuff it's the it's the repetitiousness of people's uh behavioral patterns which the show does have a level of um of self-knowledge about uh certainly through the through Kristen bells we haven't even mentioned her yet uh narration um but it's not enough and i think another way that the show probably could have uh, bypass some of my uh, default grievances would have been if it was really witty and really funny, which uh, again to me personal thing, but I I didn't ever find it particularly witty uh, either in its plot construction or in its dialogue. So that that's the surest way to lose me personally. Well, and again, I think like you said, this is not your TV language, and 
like you just thinking of this specific episode with all the the fashion stuff i enjoy that element to it i don't always agree with the what they think is supposed to look amazing but hey whatever that's part of the fun when they when like the ridiculous outfits that they put serena and and blair in at various points in the in the photo shooter that you know jenny is carrying stuff around and all that like that part of the the show does really work for me, it does have a, a bit of um, fun. I mean, oh my God, Chuck's outfit when he's playing croquet. Are you kidding me? He's never looked like a younger person trying to look older than in that scene. Um, but <laughs> I love everything that Chuck wears, and I wish that I could uh, have it all and have the ability to pull it off. Pull it all off? Yeah. Well, yeah, his like like peach trousers that he wears to Yale. Mm-hmm. God, I want those. <laughs> but... Um, the, the, yeah, if you don't have that sort of that sort of bubblegummy kind of popcorny element to of, of escapism and fun to the show, even if I hate all the spoiled rich kids drama that is supposed to also be escapism fun, I could key into the the style of of a lot of the show. And one of the things I wanted to make sure to mention is I do re- did really like all the the sort of uh fantastical or dream kind of moments we were getting in the first uh, couple seasons with like the Tiffany's uh, re- reference and um uh My Fair Lady and as much as I really feel like I I got very tired of of Blair going to the same insecurities about Serena and it's like, dude, get over it. Just learn how to be a friend. Um, the, the, they did that in such a creative way with her different dreams that I was able to still enjoy it every time. Uh, and I, I, I love not only as a fan of, you know, fantasticalism or magical realism and stuff. I love dream sequences when they're done right in general. But the fact that they're from classic movies makes is a big part of why uh, I like Blair so much. That, that speaks to her character. Well, do we, are there any performances that we want to to mention here? I, we're just about out of time, but uh, Sam, you mentioned Kristen Bell. I think her narration and the sort of snarky, um, but um, but fun kind of edge she gives to the the voiceover makes it really helps the tone uh, for me. And when you talk about the, I mean, a character that I don't like, Chuck. Ed Westwick knows the show that he is in and knows exactly how to play that character. Um, do you guys have other performers or, or, or like none of this cast seems to have gone on to bigger things. And it seems very odd to me. Leighton Meester works and she Leighton Meester is my favorite. That shouldn't be. Uh, if you've been listening to me for the last half hour, that's clearly <laughs> the case. Um, but yeah, she was, uh, she was in a great movie last year, uh, independent uh, comedy called life partners with uh, the woman from community whose name I always forget how to pronounce gillian uh, jacobs uh yeah so she's great in that she was also in the judge that uh awful robert downey and Jr. the roommate don't forget the roommate i didn't see the roommate oh there you go um, and then yeah penn badgley was working at first because he was in like the uh uh he was in easy a i think and he was mm. in uh what was the horror movie the stepfather something like that yeah yeah he was in that. um but yeah uh, it currently seem like a- starring on the slap the the show that nobody else likes besides Simon and myself. Huh. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh. I mean. Yeah. Blake Lively was in Green Lantern, and she's got something else coming out. But um. Yeah. The one we haven't talked about. You mentioned the pilot. Um. And 
the the fact that Serena had um, slept with Blair's boyfriend, and Nate clearly existed as a character just for that, <laughs> just to exist for that plot point, and then somehow they kept him around for six years. Nate, I know we're not talking about least favorite, but least favorite character is Nate. <laughs> It took you 31 minutes and 25 seconds into my recording for you to mention him. I think that tells us everything we need to know. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that he counterpoints Chuck sometimes, but yeah, there's the show is much more interested in its OTPs. I mean, and, and the fact that we get to the finale and it's Chuck and Blair and Dan and Serena still all these years later. Yeah. Um, Wait, did you is, watch the finale? I did watch the finale. Oh, I'm sorry. And I feel like, well, I feel like the last thing we should talk about here, unless you guys have other things you want to bring up though, is the reveal of gossip girl. Um, and as I don't know how anybody could have been like listening to this point and not already know, but if you don't and you don't want to know, stop, go watch the show and then come back. Okay, uh, but as of Dan, but it doesn't matter. You know what? You could hear that. It doesn't matter. They, there was no sense when the people were, when they were writing the show that Dan was gossip girl. They could have just made it up at the end. Yes, that is true. And having watched about fifteen episodes, thirteen, fifteen episodes, I think it's a fun idea that that makes enough sense that I'll give it to them. No, it doesn't make like it. It makes it makes Dan. A psychopath, if that's true, because there are shots of him alone reacting to things that he's reading on Gossip Girl well, yes. on the show. That's, yes. It's yep. completely insane. Well, yes, but that's the thing. Any character that they did that, that they made Gossip Girl, was that was going to be the case because they had no idea who it was and they didn't really care until they decided they needed to answer the question in the finale. But what It what, never should have been any of the main cast. Well, yes. Like, maybe you could get away with it being like Yuki, maybe. Mm-hmm. But they wanted they clearly wanted it to be one of the main people, and if they had any of the main people they had chosen or supporting main you know significant supporting characters would have all had the same exact problem. But what it does do is it recontextualizes the se- the series as being just as much Dan's story as uh Blair and Serena's, and having watched the smattering of episodes that I watched, that fit nicely into a lovely little arc. Uh, I'm sure um, even just the episodes I watch, it's obviously bullshit. doesn't make any sense. Um, but I kind of wish they had decided that back in season one, you know? And, like, yeah. I want them to time travel back and then make it so that the show makes sense with that. Because it would have been a nice little bit of symmetry. Yeah, I, I just, like, I just prefer to pretend that it doesn't exist. And that what, Georgina ends up with... With Jack Bass, like that's. See, but okay. Here's the thing. I Georgina gotta hear is my other least favorite character, by the way. Not interested in Georgina at all. I do not get what the big deal is. Poor Trachtenberg. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? The first time they brought her up, it was this like, "Ooh, who's this wild card who's going to shake things up?" But then they ended up doing that like once or twice a season for six years. She's in every finale. Just, yeah, it just stops being being interesting. Yeah. Well, and. Um, but I, I'm curious why you have such vitriol for the finale, um, David. Because for me, it was fine, and it was fun. They had it had the fashion, it had the ridiculousness, and uh, I was already not hugely. You know, it was. It seemed obvious to me that they were going to end the series with chair. So uh, I wasn't. That wasn't a deal for me. 
Um, and it, the ridiculousness of the Dan reveal and some of these other things just, and like Georgina and Jack and some of these other things just fit so much with the tone that they had established of don't worry about it, don't think too hard. It's just fun and ridiculous and twisty and see maybe that that's my problem is i this is it's actually it's sort of almost like the opposite of the lost finale because i really that's another that's a controversial finale that i really like because the lost finale it was the finale to the show that i was watching if you, if you know what i mean yeah. like a lot of people who didn't like the lost finale are perfectly perfectly justified um and because they were they were watching the show in a different way i'm not saying one's right or wrong uh, but I think the finale of Lost works for certain people, um, and I'm one of them. It's the opposite with with Gossip Girl because even after all the years of watching it, I think I still did hold on to the characters, and I still did hold on to the kernel of human truth that was so good in the first couple seasons. Um, that to have something that so just flagrantly made up uh, and cavalier um, and preposterous uh, and and just precarious it really uh offends me so it's so every- i guess i guess i understand how certain lost fans feel if everything else about the finale was the same but dan was not revealed to be gossip girl does that change it for you it would be fine in that case it would be okay fine. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and you know what? Having it was very entertaining to watch this show already knowing about the Re- Gossip Girl reveal, like who, because <laughs> it was such a big to do on Twitter uh, when it was happening. So that I, I, I already knew who that it was Dan. So watching the pilot, yeah. you know. Well, the season two finale weirdly like. Yeah. And that I hadn't I hadn't thought of this at the time weirdly supports it. Like the, the pilot Gossip Girl gives it. the labels to everyone. The one she gives to Dan is kind of like. If he wrote it, it's kind of self-congratulatory. The Super. ultimate insider, and then there's that the gag of he's the first one to show up at the at the Oak Bar, uh, and Nate's like, uh, "Is it Nate uh, who says, wait, Dan's got Gossip Girl?" Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I hadn't watched the season two finale since watching the rest of the show, so that was uh, fun to revisit. Yeah, no, the I think I, I think it's a really interesting um, point about the different ways to watch shows and what how that can affect whether something works for you but uh yeah i, I wanted to get your thoughts on that uh david because I, when i was watching it i just seemed like it had so many different elements but yeah knowing when you when your expectations are adjusted when i already knew what the reveal was going to be that you know that made a big difference in how i was able viewing that finale i guess i, I want to say because then we're wrapping up if there is a shark jumping moment it's not it's not the finale it happened before that. And it's not, I mean, to a certain extent, it's them graduating high school because the show just kept, it didn't want to let them grow up or whatever. Um, but, and I don't know if you got to this, if you saw this part, um, but um, the reveal that Chuck's dad didn't die um, is, <laughs> yeah. that was the moment when I was, uh, I, I think I almost stopped watching the show when it aired at that time. Not really, because I still liked all the clothes and stuff. But um, that was, because that's, Bart's death is like the biggest thing for Chuck. It's the best series of Chuck episodes on the show, and it makes him the most sympathetic as a character. Uh, and to bring Bart back was just uh, that should have been the signal well ahead of the finale that the writers didn't care about the show uh, that they built thus far. It was a twist too far. I just wanted to get that in before we before we wrap. Up. 
Any final thoughts, Simon? Only that uh, I, uh, I mean, Dave, you know the show better than I do. Could you, uh, do you know, do you remember the name of the season five episode uh, in which all the characters die in a giant trash fire? Because that's the one that I want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, whatever it is, it's certainly like a play on words of a, of a, of a classic movie, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah, gone with the giant trash fire or something like that. Towering trash inferno. That that actually sounds roughly as clever as some of their episode titles, which got really strained by like the fourth and fifth season. I noticed. Oh, my favorite one is the I think is it the season four or five uh, premiere that starts in Los Angeles and it's yes comma then zero. Oof, that's really <laughs> that's bad. My bad one. I I you know I actually enjoyed some of those terrible puns or you know more or less creative puns but uh despite simon's hatred uh i'm just gonna say i don't know if that's correct simon but your lack of connection to gossip girl i did actually have fun watching this show and i'm glad to have spent the time it's a very addictive show so i can see how you could easily just watch like a season in a weekend um so i'm thank you david for 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 choosing the Gossip Girl and getting me to to expand my CW horizons a bit. Uh, do you, where can our listeners find you and your work online? Oh, well, you can find me at battleshippretension.com. That's where my podcast is and all the uh, movie reviews and other stuff that I write. Um, and you can email me at david at battleshippretension.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter at, I, I recently changed this, at Davey Pretension. That's Davy with an E-Y. Davy Pretension. Well, uh, thank you again so much for coming on, David. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. 